Podcast like a motherfucker. Fuck, I don't know what episode it is. <laughs> I think that's the start. That's how we start the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Is that you don't... It goes... The, you know, the, the little, the little musical bit know. plays. The little the, musical bit plays, and then it just opens with, fuck. I forget what episode it is. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess it's like 59 or 60. That's what I, That's my guess. You think it's 60? Well, Henry, did you, did you do a podcast with uh, those other guys when you had the cheese and wine super party? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I did. So, so that's probably 59. Yeah, yeah so this so is this, the big this is, 60. This is 60. Okay, so we're at uh, we're at we're at sixty then. So, what do we say? Hello and welcome to Everton Podcast, episode number sixty. Yeah, six zero. Introducing your host with the most, Henry P. Miller. Henry, hello and welcome back. This sounded like a game show. Yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> Did you guys like it? I felt. I mean, I, I can I can really like throw a DJ voice on sometimes. Yeah, like I feel like you channeled your inner like uh, you know North American kind of stuff. DJ, I mean, I can go. That was that was really a gentle version of it. I can go a lot. I can go a lot more extreme. But let's save that for maybe episode sixty-one. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so two so, back in next time. Also joined today by podcast uh, co-host Sassial. Greetings. And Casimir the Swede. Yeah, hello. Soon to be back in Sweden. Yeah, exactly. Like, oh, I have a, I have a, like a, you know, a big announcement. I am now also a full-time knifefish player. Ayo. <laughs> so, are you gonna join the the staff now? I'm gonna, yeah, I'm gonna aim to do it once I like figure all the shit out with the moving and the country and stuff. But yeah, I, that's the plan. I think. Aren't you in lockdown for seven days? Yeah, that's also a good, a good point. I like I literally have nothing to do except apply for jobs <laughs> during this time. So you could pack your bags and shit. Yeah, I mean to be honest, it's not that much shit. I, I've only lived there for like a year, so it's probably not gonna be that big a deal. How are you gonna bring it all back? What are your What's your plan? Uh, I've uh, so my my girlfriend's parents live in the uh, in Netherlands, pretty close. So they're gonna help me with storage, uh, like to store some stuff there. And okay, then you're just gonna like slow. You're gonna slowly bring it back as you or her go yeah. visit. Yeah, de- depending on where I end up, you know. Yeah. Okay. But you're bringing all your hobby stuff back to Sweden, right? Yeah, that's the plan. Like, I'm literally gonna have. So I have. I'm gonna have two bags, like one with clothes and one which is just gonna be hobby shits, <laughs> like a <whole> suitcase. <laughs> nice. Uh, nice one. Um, all right, so All right. today's uh, today's show, we are actually going to be doing a quick sneak peek of the new Hobgoblin supplement for the Infernal Wars. Well, um, so this is going to be the, the next um, uh, auxiliary army book or legendary army book supplement, whatever you want to call it. And um, the team have given us a few new units to do a bit of a, a sneak peek preview on. Um, these are going to be work in progress stuff, so it could change. But before we go into that, we're just going to talk the usual hobby stuff that we've been working on, and, and also take a very quick overview on the points update. But before we do that, 
we had a little bit of mail. Shut the front door. Awesome. <laughs> it's not very interesting, let's be honest, but uh, it's it is some feedback that we actually got. So, um, uh, I'm gonna the the person who who wrote in to the show is, will remain anonymous. Um, and he says he he likes the show. However, he has something negative to say. Oh no. He said the the Dreadolf's Army book review. Um, he said he gave up listening less than halfway through because the constant bickering and lack of respect for anything that the t- that they didn't agree with and how they handled themselves was awful. I'm not going to mention who this was, but there's there's two very clear candidates that uh, were a little bit more negative than, than we were. Um, I couldn't bear to listen to it anymore, and I can't face starting the Mad Gets podcast after sitting through all of this and doing it again. Please never do this again. <laughs> Yeah, like I think I, I was uh, thinking about that while we recorded it. That uh, I mean, I guess in my opinion, did kind you of listen what you to want, the Madget Radio? Uh, I listened to like half of it, and and to to be fair to this person who, who criticized us, I I feel kind of the same to like about theirs that there was. Uh, I I feel like it wasn't as like uh, they didn't whine as much as uh, as people did on ours, but uh, but it was kind of it was a little bit too slow for me, and I, that leads me to this part that. Kind of what you want for a new book is you want like a hype podcast, right? Like you want somebody to tell you why it's fucking amazing and broken and why you should go out playing it, you know? And uh, maybe we didn't deliver that, deliver that this time. Well, we're not GW. We're not trying to sell minis here, right? Well, I think I like well, the part- the executive part. <laughs> like I, I like I knew I knew that I knew that Fraz had a fairly negative view of of the Dreadoff book, and I, I wanted him on because. I wanted to have that balance because obviously I I wrote the well, I helped wrote write the book right, so I I kind of wanted to have him on to give some kind of yeah. alternative view on on the book and 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 I, I I think it was okay like he wasn't I didn't think he was overly negative I was quite surprised actually in the feedback that we got, but maybe maybe that's just how it is. Yeah, I I don't know. If- I don't remember if I actually listened back to it yet. Uh, no, I haven't. But... So I, I can't. Say... I can't comment. Like, cause I don't remember half of it. I would say as a semi-professional SAS master, um, <laughs> you know, I, I certainly, I certainly appreciate someone turning up the, the, the crankiness on on stuff when we you know when you're talking about rules being, uh, you know, one way or another. But it was. It was overwhelming, right? Uh, <laughs> th- because because Fraz had just something to say about every single thing, right? So, and it was pretty much the same thing that he had to say. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, and then if he didn't have something to say about that particular thing, he would go back to why there are no why are there no blade dancers, right? Like it was like one of the two things. So, uh, <laughs> Fraz, you know, it was really fun get being in there with you, but uh, yeah, we should we should have maybe. We should have maybe, uh, you know, come up come up with a plan for being able to move along. So I respect what that guy had to say. 
I, I know that it was a, you know, it was a controversial, it's a, con- it's a controversial change, apparently, at least according to two of the people on our, <laughs> on, on the podcast, um, the way that, that you and you and the other guys were going back and forth, but um, but yeah, I think we can do a better job of. I think we could, we could definitely do it in a, a better light, right? Yeah, I mean so, that so, too. That too. But I mean, yeah. I mean, if you want, if you want somebody who's super opinionated to be on the podcast to bring their opinion, like you have to be prepared. I think for for that opinion, you know, being fairly dominant in the conversation. Uh, which I appreciate, you know, like I wouldn't have expected him to just shut up and take it. Uh, so, you know, I, I totally dig that. He got the, he got the platform to say what he wanted to say. And he and then said it again on that good radio. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, I mean, that's probably just, just whining that at that point, but, you know, maybe he's trying to convert enough people, you know, by getting out in the media. Well, like, uh, what's interesting about this whole thing? <laughs> I'm sorry. It's just what? I'm just thinking back on it. It just it's just too funny. It's I had a good time. I'm sorry. I had a good time on that <laughs> podcast. And, and I understand that people may find it exhausting, but it was pretty funny. Like what I find really interesting is that this time around, like uh the podcasts have uh, like overall been like pretty negative about the Dreadolves book, but then if you go on the forum, like people are raving. Like in my opinion, compared to like the other book releases. Like there's so much like positive feedback about this book, I would say. I agree. Like, there's yeah, like I think overall, if I had to guess about the community reaction, I would say that people overall think it's a really, really good book. And like not even like some people think it's really like too good, but I wouldn't say that that's really the overall uh, like feedback that I've seen. Yeah, I, I don't think like, it's people, I don't think it's yeah. overpowered at all, personally. I think it's a fairly balanced book. I've never played against it, so I can't really say anything. Well, maybe when you come to Denmark next week, customer, you will get to play against it. Yeah, okay. Okay, so let's move on to the hobby section. So who wants to go first? So, yeah, I can I can go first. So I have, uh, I've done a little bit, like uh, since getting back from the holidays. I... Uh, uh, so first of all, I, I participated in this uh, campaign they have on the forum right now called uh, Cravenlands. Which is uh, run by a few people who are like have staff roles in Ninth Age, but it's not an official campaign. And kind of the format is that they uh, they have like an ongoing story where they publish like little snippets of that story, and then depending on what like you know what the snippet is about, they will ask you to like provide pictures of your painted molds or molds that you've gone and paint for the campaign that represent whoever it is in the story. So like a unit of hand gunners or like a wizard and stuff like that. So one of the things is that like uh, these uh, Empire dudes, they go to repair some handguns at a Dwarven Smith's place. So they were asked for you know Dwarven Smiths. So I took that as a good opportunity to play to paint my engineer for yeah. my dwarves. So that was pretty is fun. It, like it's the guy uh, with the, uh, the the green robes and the blue gems. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I don't, I'm not quite sure like what era this this model is from, but I just had him in my box and he. It's really looked, nice. Yeah, looked like an engineer, and like it was really nice to just sit down. And I just took a day where I had nothing else to do, and I just like just painted him in a day, and uh, yeah, it turned out really well, I think. Yeah, it looks it looks super good. I love the gem highlights. Yeah, gems are so like I really like it's really satisfying to paint gems. And I guess one other thing I did for this is that I actually all the colors are mixed from like um, 
except for the metallics, are mixed from like pure pigments. So I didn't actually use any of like Games Workshop colors for skin and stuff. I like really tried to learn how to like mix a skin tone by like you know red and brown and stuff like that. Okay. So it was it was much harder than I thought it would be, but it was quite fun to do. Cool. I think I think you've done a really good job with it. Yeah, thanks, man. So the picture is up on the YouTube video if you're watching from home on YouTube. Yeah, you can. Otherwise, you can always find it on the the Cravenlands uh, like topic and also on our project. Amazon time uh, P log. Yeah. Cool. So time, what else? Time what else did I, you? Uh... Quick, quick, quick time out. Uh, I just got to go. My, my kid's crying. I'll yeah, be right no okay, we'll, we'll just carry on. Yeah. So what else have you been doing, Kasma? Yeah, so I also participated in this, uh, like, Secret Santa, uh, like, thing that Omar Komen, uh, or, like, organized on the forum, which was really nice. So we got, like, uh, a lot of people signed up, and then we were randomly distributed another person on the list to send a gift to. And you got to, like... Uh, put in like you know i i collect this army and i'm interested in these kind of things so i got this package from another dwarf player who sent me his his like goat riding dwarfs uh, so he, he sent me these three uh, dudes on goats which are pretty cool and two of them he'd painted already uh, so uh, i think you have a picture of like yeah. the, how uh, the condition i got them in so i kind of uh, i haven't uh, taken a picture of it but i started like refurbishing them a little bit because he i think he has like a very you know basic uh, paint job which is kind of a you know base coat on a wash but it was actually good because that just means i don't need to do the boring shit so i'm do you like know currently where, i'm just do you know like, where these uh, models are from i have no idea actually <laughs> like i try i i spent like you know a couple of minutes thinking about it and then i was like ah whatever i'll just paint them and i don't know maybe use them as unit fillers or hold guardians or something yeah uh, but it's, it's quite nice like i just you know i can i can just add some highlights i don't need to really like, I don't need to do any of the boring stuff. He'd, like, I just need to bring them up so they fit with the rest of the army. So what are you, are you going to paint them different colors to what they are? Uh, not so much. So, like, one one of them has, like, a, a gray goat, another one has a brown one. So I, I've brought those up so that, like, the gray one is a little bit more, you know, white, and the mm -hmm. brown one is, like, a little bit more reddish. And otherwise, I think I'm just going to, like, uh, highlight really all the uh, areas. Uh, which I think will work quite well. It's mostly like metal on the dwarf anyway, and that will just look a lot better once I've uh, you know added like another coat of silver, which is brighter. Cool. Yeah, I guess like I guess so. just doing a few highlights on on what's already here is is not going to be a big deal. Yeah, exactly. That's the that's the plan. So I can like uh, bring them in. There's one of them was unpainted, so that one will be. I probably I'll like choose some different color, but I haven't started on that yet. Yeah, and I guess you can use them as unit fillers. Yeah, exactly. Like I, since I painted the whole guardians last time, uh, like I don't really need more than six whole guardians. I don't think, but uh, but you know, I'll just squeeze them, like use them inside of units instead. Yeah, and we also have um, a picture here of your whole guardians. Yeah, those are ones I, I. So I think I talked about them last time, but it was mm -hmm. uh, like we didn't show them. And I mean, I'm, I'm really happy with uh, how it went. I tried to uh, do like the the blending of the lights around like the runes and the spheres and stuff. Yeah, it's uh, it was <laughs> so fucking annoying though because uh, like uh, so the blend was like from uh, light blue to white and white. How, how did you is... how did you do it actually? So so is I did it really uh, I did it with, down? yeah I did it with uh, like wet blending. So kind of the idea is that you you water down your two colors that you want to blend and then you put them like you know while they're watery over one area and then another another area and then you just kind of 
try to swish your like brush in between to like make them combine in a smooth manner. And it's uh, to be honest, it's kind of it's really a skill you need to practice. So that's why I decided to do it for this unit because I felt like I'm not really that good at it. Like I need to be good, like be better, right? So it's a uh, it really like you just need to somehow get a feeling intuitively for like you know, if I move the brush like this, you know, do I end with up with like a weird pool or do you know do I get the paint to like flow into each other? But uh, I can tell you now that like using white uh, and something else is a terrible idea when you're learning this because white pigment is like really terrible. Like it's really, you know, crusty and it dries really fast. <laughs> so, uh, so it was quite hard work to get this to, to look like this. I think, I think you um, achieved a pretty good effect though. Yeah, thanks, man. Like it's a uh, it, it, like uh, I'll show you when you see them. Uh, but like uh, it's if you look real closely, you can see that there's like uh, it's it's not completely smooth. But I'm pretty happy with how it turned no, out. No, I, I think it's I think it's I think it's fine for what it is. Like you from a distance. Yeah. I mean, if you go real close, then of course you're gonna notice all the mistakes. But yeah, I mean, even okay. even, I mean, on the, even on the picture, it looks fine. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how I wanted to paint this army anyway. I don't want to like spend too much effort. But yeah. like if it's something like this where it's like I'll I'll spend time on this one detail and I mean the rest of the model is just dry brushed basically so. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, seeing as Alex is uh, babysitting, I think I can <laughs> go next. So um, I've been obviously working more on the samurai, and um, yeah. so the the big project over the, like the last six weeks has been the dragon that I've been doing for my dreadlock army. Um. It's actually a dragon that Alex 3D printed for me. Yeah. It's from clay cyanide miniatures. And it, it took like quite a lot of repositioning because it's meant to be on a round base. But I had to obviously convert it so it's on a, a chariot base or a 100 by 50. 50 by yeah, so it was, really, was it really like going in a circle on this yeah, round base? Yeah, exactly. Or? So it was supposed to be on like, um, I think like an 80 mil round or something like that. Okay, it's not, that's not too big. A hundred mil round. Yeah, probably. So, yeah, so it could have been like fairly, um, like, yeah, I had to narrow it down somewhat. Like when I kind of did like the test, like put it together and see how it looks, it was very okay. This is this is going to overhang a lot <laughs> on the <laughs> on the the fifty by hundred. And I was like, that's not a big issue because it's not very often that you get charged in the flank anyway, but <laughs> yeah. just for yeah, ease. I mean, you just, you, like you just figure it out. Like, you can, it, yeah. like if it doesn't work, you can always just mark the position. and yeah. it's but, but basically what I did was I just, um, like the back section of the dragon is pretty much how it's supposed to be. And then I, I just left one of the sections out and then cut a chunk out of another section and, okay. st and stuck it together, and then that kind of worked how it looks now, which fits really well on the 50 by 100. Um, so can... how, how much uh, scales did you have to sculpt? Uh, quite a lot, and I had, to paint, <laughs> I had to paint individually every fucking scale. I didn't have to, but I, I chose to, which, uh, like, uh... The, the issue was that the, the, there was a few places in the print that was not, like, perfectly... Um, detailed, like some of the hadn't come out that well, so the only way that I I couldn't, there's no way I could like wash it and dry brush it because some of the detail was a bit off. And yeah. if I if I had done that, then I would have had to like pick out like 
and then it would the pit, the bits that were not so detailed, and yeah, then it would look, then it would have looked really bad. So I chose to do the hard way <laughs> and the, <laughs> the the long way, and um, chose and then in the end just decided, okay, I'm just going to do every single scale by hand. <laughs> like it was, I did three layers on every scale. Oh, geez. dude, like now you're painting like I used to paint, where it's just like, how do I get this done? I just invest all my life and time into it. Yeah, but I figured this is like the centerpiece of my army, right? Yeah. yeah. So like, I was like, I'm only going to do this once. <laughs> yeah, so like this is how I painted every mole in my Undyne Dynasties. Yeah, but, and yeah like, I couldn't do that. Afterwards, yeah, afterwards, I was like, I could have probably got the same result, but a lot easier, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah, so what's up? I'm, I'm really happy with how it came out. I'm talking about the dragon model. Oh yeah, sweet. Thank you very yeah, much I for printing it. Oh my pleasure. <laughs> I think it's really it's really nice actually. Like I um, it took uh, several days. <laughs> it, it, it took about six weeks to paint it. <laughs> That's this fine. Is the, this is where like when I painted my sphinxes, my undying dynasties. It's also like each swing sphinx is like three or four weeks of painting. Yeah, it's just terrible. But it's it, like the the robe on the guy. On the on top is really nice as well. The blue works like really well on the outside. Yeah, I was quite happy with um, how the character turned out actually. Yeah. Um, the it's a model from oh what the fuck is it called? I always forget this one. It's oh no this one's this one's actually from uh, Test of Honor, which is a Warlord Games range. Okay. Um, the back banner is. From the Empire Luminarch from Games Workshop, and I just oh. obviously stuck it on the back and did a little bit of freehand, and then yeah. just like a, a a weapon from Warlord Games or something. Yeah, but, the freehand is like very regular. Like you managed to get this this uh, it's like a like a circular, uh, I guess like Japanese type of uh, of design, but it's yeah. very circular. How did you get it to be so even? Uh, practice <laughs> <laughs> okay that's the short version yeah i mean um i i wanted uh, obviously like the mons that i'm doing for all of the all of my infantry are the like the circle with a cross yeah and so i wanted to do like the same kind of mon to tie it in with the army but make it a little bit more elaborate so it's the same circle with a cross just a bit more elaborate yeah exactly you you filled in like the uh, the four segments of uh like um, inside the circle with uh, extra designs. Yeah. So so yeah, the idea is that it ties into the army, but it's a little bit more elaborate because it's the general or whatever. Yeah, yeah. I think you should like definitely something to be proud of. It's really really nice. Yeah, I'm I'm super happy. I think um, as I was saying, Alex, um, the there was like a, a couple of sections on the print that were not like perfect, so it made it really difficult to. I couldn't just like wash it and. And dry brush it. I had to paint every single scale, so it was quite um, a time-consuming enterprise. But I think it worked out really well in the end. Well, you know, yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess. Uh, I mean, I think it. I think it looks pretty lovely. So I don't feel bad for you at all. No, I'm, I'm, su <laughs> I'm super happy. Free. I'm super happy. <laughs> <laughs> And I, I, pre I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, I mean, this was this great. was the, the main thing I've been working on for the last few weeks, and then I also did a. I actually finished the banner for my tower guard. So I, yeah. I used like, the last samurai um, 
tiger banner that they have as inspiration. And I wanted to make like a tiger banner for the tower guard because they're, I think they're like a unit that deserves a tiger banner. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So, do you practice this design before you drew it? Or? Yeah, exactly. So, everything that I do freehand, I draw out on paper two or three times beforehand just to get an idea of like the dimensions and how, how to go about constructing the piece, let's say. So, because because I think you really need to plan it out, especially because you're doing it on a banner which has limited space, and and if you don't really if you don't plan it out, you can like go too close to the edge or yeah. yeah it, I think just, the the most common thing is that people don't fill out the space. You know, like they they start and then it just ends up being something like in the corner or whatever, and it just looks a bit weird. Yeah, if if I'm honest, um, for those looking on YouTube, you'll be able to see the picture of the banner. Um, basically, for those not listening on YouTube, uh, I've, I did the tiger symbol first and realized that I hadn't really put it very much in the middle. It should have been a bit higher. So then I added like the Japanese symbols after. So there's some Japanese symbols in the top corner of the banner just to kind of yeah. fill out the space. And, um, and then the mon in the bottom corner of the banner just to, again, fill out the space. So I think I could have done it a bit better, but I, I've actually prefer how this has worked out rather than... Um, yeah, the actual <laughs> actual yeah, intention. Like, yeah, I think I think it's actually really nice. Like it adds some some extra interest uh, instead of just the uh, and also as you said, like ties it to the other units. Yeah, exactly. And and it was actually much easier than expected. Um, I thought it would be quite difficult to achieve, but the the tiger was actually easier than the snake banner with that what I did for the the spear unit, the legionaries. Oh, wow. Because it, it looks really, really nice. Like, because normally, uh, what you you know, uh, to me, what would I would imagine to be the issue is like getting the proportions of the animal and yeah. and its face and so on to be right. But like this looks just really, really good. Like you really nailed those, nailed those things. Yeah, yeah. The tiger, the tiger is a mega winner. It's the big, it's the big winner on the, the banner. The, the issue is when you when you do it on one side, then you're like, fuck. Now I've got to do the exact exact same thing, the exact same proportions <laughs> on the other side. Yeah. <laughs> That's why the like the really the best banners are the ones that are facing forward, and you only need to do one thing, you know. <laughs> yeah, True. not so not so with the samurai banners. So th this yeah. one's actually from the Hybern Elf Chariot model. Hmm. So that's where I stole it from. If anyone was wondering. <laughs> nice. So the last thing I've been working on is a couple of unit fillers that were also printed by Sassiel. And these are like uh, lantern, Japanese lantern things on sticks. And they're, they're on 20 by 20s, so they can fit in any of the infantry units. And um, yeah, they're printed by Sassiel, and I think they've been actually worked out really nice. Like one of them was printed like perfect, and the other one was like slightly not perfect, but it's still really good. And um, I just kind of went with, I wanted to use a blue for the roof because I, I also wanted it to tie into the army. But I think the red, uh, like on the other, on the, the actual lantern itself, I think it works really well. And I'm going to do the same for the gates and stuff that I have planned as well for other unit fillers. Yeah, it's cool. I mean, I think that it would have been like a bit cheesy to make them also orange. Yeah, it would have been a bit too much maybe. You know what I mean? Like, if they were orange and blue and everything else is orange and blue, it's like, ah. You know, these are, like, objects in a world is kind of the idea, right? So they yeah. don't have to be, 
like f- proper like full-blown matching your army i think yeah. that would be a bit weird yeah like i'm not gonna paint my rocks like yellow because my <laughs> is yellow, you know like <laughs> i think that's actually something that's quite like important uh, in army design in general is it, like when i uh, if I go back like uh, maybe five, six years in my painting, I used to really like, uh, I had picked out the colors of the army and then I went like, oh, these colors have to be on every model, like no matter what. And, like I know we're talking about terrain now for unifillers, but still I kind of, that was the idea. And yeah. now I've realized that you really don't need that to tie it together. Like when I, now when I painted the dwarves, like every dwarf has a different color of, of clothing basically, but like in general, for example, I paint all the metal the same, all the bases are the same, and it still kind of ties it together. So I, f- I think you don't need to always have the exact same color choice. Yeah, I mean, if, if we just go back to the dragon again, um, I think I use yellow as like the main color of the dragon, which is like not the color of the army. Yeah. But I think it works really well because this, the yellow flowers on the base kind of tie the yellow in. And I've also used orange and blue. And the character yeah. is obviously the same armor color and everything as the rest of the army. So I think I think that's a really good example of how you can use like other colors and still still tie it into the army. Yeah, you create like visual interest as well because it's different. Yeah. So yeah, Alex, um, yeah. what have you been doing in the hobby? <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I printed some things for some friends. Um, and then besides that, I've been a real, I've been like having a lot of fun just staring at my cabinet full of unpainted models. <laughs> um, you did build some Feldrax though. I have built. I built some Feldrax. But I built three of those ones from um, Lubart miniatures. Lubart, yeah, that's it. Lubart, and I built them with the um, dual wielding or the paired weapons combo. Yeah, and um, they're. I mean, they're gorgeous models. They're beautiful. They come with raised bases that basically are. I, I decided to use because their their poses go with their bases. Um, so I'm going to have an interesting time um, kind of making sure that those uh, fit properly with the rest of the army. But I, I think it'll be quite doable. Um, but they're like awesome. They come with multiple head parts to like... There's loads of options, I, right? I, I, I just went all with helmets because I think the helmets were so dope. And like they also have that kind of Chaos Army helmet with the high pointed horns. And so I was like, that's that's my jam right there um they have like you know uh, plate plate armor on the upper body and they have two different types of arms basically one set go with the paired weapons option and one set go with the great weapons option um and then you have a little bit of maneuverability not a ton with like how you pose the arms and i guess you could also like uh, the way you, you can kind of figure how you glue the neck on with the head for some sort of adjustability, but they're, but like the, the dragon legs, they all sort of go on a certain way. Uh, like they fit onto the, onto the body in a very specific way. Uh, so that was not something I really wanted to mess with, but they look good. I mean, I, I, I managed to glue them all together and then I dropped the first one I glued, I dropped promptly after i had glued it all together and, <laughs> cool. and snapped the axe off of it um 
right at the hand. So I pinned that back on. Um, and then I've glued them to the bases now, and I'm just looking at them in their gray look, and they look awesome. But my here's my main concern is that, like, I'm for starters, it, I mean, I know it had a lot to do with the with COVID and stuff, but like, we ordered these things like eight months ago or something. Yeah, to, to be right. to be fair, we did the, order them on like um, a pre-order thing. Oh, okay, okay. But yeah, even so, they were fucking so slow. I think it was because of COVID. Like, they got blocked yeah, in yeah. Lithuania or wherever they're from. Yeah, and I mean, I totally understand. Uh, you know, I was just madly looking for them, but now. Now that I've been playing with Feldrax, you know, <laughs> you know how good they are. And my problem, my big problem is, I've got three of these guys who look, you know, like each other, and then I've been like hand making the other Feldrax that I've been doing by wow. like, but by like taking but, like these but weird. Alex, but Alex, you 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 know that you're going to have two units of Feldrax at least in your army, so. So you just need to get another three of these and make a couple of the others, a couple of the others, and then you're going to have two units of six. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> maybe. Let's be honest. But um, but what's but here's yeah here's the thing, um, I don't want to buy another three pack of these things, um, because I feel like they'll just I would I don't really want like because you because again. The, to like to like the customization would be in like their heads do you know what i mean like i could put yeah. different heads on them you, you can also do different poses with the weapons not really no not really no i mean oh, i can just, I just, can give, basically just give them to me alex i'll do it for you no worries i can rotate the arms a bit uh and then that's it um yeah i guess you could like do your frankenstein-y magic <laughs> <laughs> Which would be fine, and and you know, so it's like I can put different heads on them, but the thing is, I don't want like the normal, like regular faces. I, I I'm gonna have them all have helmets because they they already have them, but they look awesome. And then, and then, yeah, the I don't know, yeah, it's the other thing is like I guess I could come up with like a massive unit filler, but that would be weird too, probably. You, you can make a decent unit filler for these guys. You've got a lot of space on a 50 by 75. Actually, yeah. how, how well do they fit on the bases? Um, they fit, like, like perfectly on the bases. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, but, but, like, if you if you want to run, like, a unit of four, for example, like, having one base that's something different is fine, I would say. Yeah, but the way I've been playing with them, it's, like, five or six is okay. the way to go because they just wipe shit off yeah. the board at five or six. Like if I have four of them, they might be dangerous, but at five or six, they're like, Oh, uh, what am I fighting? Doesn't matter. <laughs> Here are 22 attacks in your fucking face right now. <laughs> just blaff. Like, thank you for joining. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you'll run away now. You know, it's, it's just, they're insane. It's a good time. Like I had a game against Pete, and uh, my Feldrax just won me the game. They just, <laughs> they, I mean, they did. And actually, honestly, it was them. And I took, um, I took an Exalted Herald with like the dragon uh, thing, and like the tower, and like the extra tall towering presency perk or whatever. And he just caused tear. He also just like flew over some like impassables, and just like ran one unit. Like ran at one unit, they were terrified, 
chase them they just evaporated so it was like <laughs> oh thanks and then like do like blue fucking fire at another unit uh of like the what are those things that are like the uh, in a goblin army a goblin orc army that are like two legs and they have a giant mouth and oh, the uh, they blow up uh, when they run yeah nashers yeah he like so yeah, there was like a block of 15 of those or something like that and like he just like used his breath weapon on them and then like zapped them and took like a third of them off the board right there before they got a chance to attack anybody and then he dropped two comets one of them or landed two comet spells one of them dropped and like destroyed his uh his warlock on a on a chariot destroyed his battle chariot like did between seven and eleven damage to every other unit that was in the range which was most of his army <laughs> and then i hit my and then when i i only hit one of my army units and i did two damage <laughs> i'm like oh, 2d gotta roll 2d6 here i wonder what's gonna happen oh two <laughs> like just after after smashing so much of his stuff he was just like oh yeah great <laughs> The super fun. Uh, well, yeah, so, uh, Comet is such a good spell. Such so, so like Feldrax and Comets are my heroes. Um, <laughs> All right, but yeah, so, was, um, let's um, let's move into the new points update. Oh yeah, and I, we played with the new points rules in the new yeah. spellbook. I'm gonna I'm gonna get, get some fun. more beer. Cool. So, let's beer just take back. a quick break. Then. Welcome back to Amazon Podcast, episode 60. Here with Casimir the Swede and Sassiel. Sassing it up. We're going to go over some of the new points values that have been released by the balance patch. So I think without going through it too exhaustively, um, I wanted to talk about the two elf books that I know the best and also a little bit the magic. But do you yeah. guys have anything that you wanted to go over yourselves? I think, Alex, you probably wanted to talk about the Warriors update. Um, I mean, I used it. it. I don't have a lot to say. Basically, I used the new point system, and it was fine. I, I built an army, and I won. So, so, so the I, question on everyone's lips is, how much did Feldrax go up in price? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Yeah, I was actually just uh, looking at it, and uh, I think uh, I think if you have like a unit of six, it was something like, you know, in the neighborhood of like forty points or something. I think. Okay, well, it's somewhat significant. 
Yeah, but I, I would say it's not like comparatively to how much people have whined. Like I, I would say it's 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 a pretty light touch. Like they went up five points base and then five points per mole, and paired weapons went up by two points per mole. So like if you take some other weapon, I guess then they did like went up by, uh, you know, uh, like thirty points for a unit of six. Okay, so not not too much, a yeah. little bit, a little bit. I think it's fair. Basically, yeah. don't get me wrong. It's I wouldn't mind getting one more yeah. item on something, or you know, another couple of warriors in a in a block. But you know, it's fine. It's not. Yeah. It didn't go crazy, and like there's still there's still a massively viable unit in the army. I think the whole point is that that they're. I think they're still going to be seen in every army. They're so good, and that you know that they're going to be there. So you might as well like force some diversity because you know otherwise you're looking at like like i was working on a list that was basically like how many feldraks can i put in an army (laughs) (laughs) you know and it's like oh i can put a lot of feldraks in an army like that's actually quite a lot so like something i need to consider is that like if the unit went up by 30 points and the really big change in this update was that all command was slashed by 50 percent. so like your champions musicians and sandbars are 10 points each and that's yeah. a thirty point discount for the unit. So if you take full command, the unit is the same price as before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. How how do Which, you feel in general about the the command changing price? Like I think it's I think it's a fucking phenomenal uh, change, specifically for the standard bearer, because I would say that the musician and champion really bring something like very different to how the unit functions where you could justify paying twenty points for it. But Unless you were taking Magical Banner, I mean, it's hard to justify 20 points for plus one combat rest unless you have, like, combat rest is your strategy somehow. You're playing Undead or whatever it is. Yeah, like, I, I agree. I think the, I think what's, what's better in this is that you're going to see more Magic Banners now because yeah. let, let's say you take a Magic Banner for, like, 50 points. And, in fact, that Magic Banner is actually 70 points because you have to take yeah. a Standard Bearer as well. But reducing that by ten points is really good, and and also yeah, I think the other the other ones as well. Like yeah, I, I was points, I think it's worth it. Like, it can be a lot of times worth it to just have plus one combat press without a banner. Like it's yeah. ten points is pretty cheap. Yeah, I agree. I think a lot of people like it's one of those things where it's almost a given that you're going to get a musician and a champion in a unit. Yeah, right. Like it's weird not to. I think now definitely. Um, but before like, before you guys I would take musicians in every unit, but now, but now I'm probably going to take a champion as well. Yeah, same. Like I, I think all, almost all the units I, I write nowadays has has full command basically. Which is, I, it just also is, is cool. Like I like the opportunity to get to do like a banner, you know, like as you, you talked about before, you can do some cool freehand and stuff. It's uh, so just fun, you know. So the, the, my question is going to be like, at what point do they make a musician, champion, and standard bearer free for every unit? Yeah, it's a good question. It is well. Maybe like, I, well, I don't know. Like, it's it's fun to do the min maxing. Like, in the 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 best part of this update or any update uh, to points, I think, is that I really enjoy when they shuffled around a little bit. So you have to like, you know, redo the lists, and suddenly there's something else that's the best and you get to like fiddle around with it. So like reducing the number of options, I'm not sure if that's something that I want, I guess. Yeah. I, I do like the, I do like the kind of customizability of things. Yeah. 
And but, I think that's where Nivich really shines compared to a lot of other war games that are out on the market, is that, like, you have, you know, especially in characters and in units, like options and stuff, there's a lot more freedom compared to, like, you know, whatever else kind of rank and uh, skirmish type of games that are available. Yeah. And I, I was a bit concerned about the Dreadoff book being lacking options because obviously the characters are quite, quite um, narrow minded in what you can actually take because they do a very specific thing. Yeah. Um, but qu- quoting from um, this, the Savage Sage in the North, um, <laughs> he's always saying, well, could, could you imagine your regiment leaving home without their drummer boy and their sergeant and their regiment standard? Yeah, probably not. No. And that's that's his argument that all units should uh, always have their full command by, yeah. by de- default. Yeah, I can, I can see that. But I mean, if you if all units have a banner, then what's the point of counting the banner for for anything in the game? Yeah, like, you're then right. It's just, then yeah. it's just negligent. It doesn't, doesn't really I make guess, sense. I guess the point would be when you fight stuff that's not like ranked, like if you fight a monster or if you fight like a you know like something like war dancers. Let's go yeah, or, or whatever it is that like wouldn't have a banner because they're like in a kind of a elite small units. Yeah, like Blade, Blade Dancers, for example, is like a really good example because they're a, dan- a dancey unit without without a musician because no one would ever take a musician on them because there's no point in really having it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good it doesn't point. give you anything. So because they're light troops, right? So. <laughs> That that's a bit of a um, bit of a uh, oxymoron. Yeah, I agree. But so I think overall that that was a really really good change. So w- one thing I would like to when we're on the Warriors book sale is that the chosen champions or whatever they're called or favored is that what they're called favored champions? Uh, they actually didn't go down in points, even though all the other types of champions did. Mm. And I don't. Not why. So, like, it's still if you have a unit of warriors, it still costs you thirty points to upgrade one of them to be a champion. But I think an extra hit point is actually quite good. Yeah, I mean, I would agree. I just, uh, I just would have thought that they would go down by ten points. I guess. Mm, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess it probably should have done, but maybe that was an oversight. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that will be like you know later down the line, I guess. It's, I mean, it's still worth it at 30 points. It's just uh, strange when all the other champions got discounted. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Maybe it's just because they get an extra hit point, don't they? Yeah, you unlocked all the favors, I guess. That's also a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, Casimir, was there any anything that stood out for you in any of the books that you play? Yeah, so so I think the, uh, the dwarf book really stood out to me. And this was... Uh, <laughs> This was kind of interesting because there was a lot of uh, of whining going on on the dwarf forum before before the books were actually released, and uh, it was like from a small subset of players who who like essentially they're, they're, to really summarize things super briefly their their argument was just that they didn't like that some play styles were uh, being discouraged even though they weren't dominant, basically. And that specific play style was MSU. But but really, when you look at the changes, I think the, the Dwarf book really came out of this like in a very, very positive way. Like uh, The uh, ranked infantry in the book got like a huge discount. So just, uh, I have some numbers, just so you can get an idea of like the, the numbers like that we're talking about. So if you take 
a unit of like 25 uh, deep watch. So that's the the dudes with shields that get ages all the time. They were if you take full command on a unit 25, they were discounted by 85 points. Yeah, because they uh, went down by they went big. down by four points kind of, per model. Yeah, four points per model, 15 points base cost, and then 30 points for command discount as well. Wow. Uh, and in, in rank, I mean, in ranked units, you really want to take command, right? So, so that's a huge discount. And then if you look at the king's guard, which are the like the guys with the hammers, right? And it, I think the discount there is three points per additional mole. Yeah. And they went up five points in the base cost, but it's still like you end up with something like 60 points discount when you take a unit around 25. That's crazy. Yeah, so that, that those two were really big, and then the uh, the other one I would say, which really changes how or can change how the army plays, is that um, so like if you take a core dwarf with a, a crossbow, he was able to take a great weapon with his crossbow before, but the option was like super expensive. It costs four points per mole to get a, get a great weapon. Compare that to getting a shield, which we all know is like super good for dwarves. It was only two points, so now they reduce the cost of the great weapon down to two points. Which is also if you take like a you know a unit of twenty five or something that's uh, let's see that's, I, I mean, that's like a thirty that's super cheap yeah it's so cheap and it's so good like we were talking about it before like now uh, you can play like big units of dwarves with crossbows and great weapons that just shoot like fuck and then you charge them and then they hit you really hard back as well that's yeah that's very good and yeah, so, so, some, I would... so if if I was gonna say a few things just comments on this balance changes for the dwarves mm. i'm looking at this i'm like every single rune went down in price pretty much <laughs> yeah except for the except for the breath weapon which went up by a whopping five points five points up okay but the rest got like like discounts across yeah. the board that's yeah, insane yeah yeah the I characters mean, like the characters become a lot better because you like essentially all the the uh, runes that were like uh, one use only got at least five points a lot of times 10 points how much did the whole stone go up uh let's see Ooh, five points <laughs> <laughs> so an, another highlight i think for uh, like to be honest i think this is a, a like i would say an issue with the points update overall is that the points up on a lot of things were very light like some yeah. things they probably seekers. could have seekers five points. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like okay, so you, to seekers you always take them in a unit of twenty-five. Okay, base cost went up by five points, but how many take seekers do you get base for one hundred and five points? You get five. Okay, but like so, so like I mean, you you take a unit of twenty-five, and you always take a musician and a champion because it's really good, and that those went down by twenty points. So your unit of twenty-five seekers went down by fifteen points. It's just it's crazy. Like it's uh, I I don't really get like why why were the like why weren't the points increases? And I think this is something for all the books. Why weren't they bigger? Like the the discounts were re were quite good, but I think the the increases for stuff that was already good is, is was very light. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm looking at this. I'm like, okay, the, the few things that I think are too good in dwarves are like all the flying stuff. Yeah. So the steam copter, it went up five points. Oh. <laughs> Sure. Uh, the Grudge Buster actually went down 20 points. Yeah, I don't what? get it. It's so good and people just keep whining about it on the forum. It's, I, don't I don't understand. understand. It's like by far one of the best units in the Dwarf book. Um, yeah. The whole Guardians are really good. Also went down in points. The, yeah. the Obviously, we talked about the Holdstone. Five points, come on. It needs to be yeah, like 50 so... plus points. It's ridiculously yeah, broken. It's, I, the fact that you can like just negate bad play with this item 
mean, yeah. means that like like thirty five points. Why wouldn't you take it? Like and I don't the, the see king, the king went down ten points. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I think his uh, his mount the like, mounts went up like you know five, five points. points each. Yeah, like okay, so it's it's a net gain anyway. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Which makes the same with the thane as well. So yeah, okay, and then the. Uh, Probably the, the other thing that I would say is probably too good um, is like the magic stuff and the did the anvil change price? No, it's the same. It's the same. Okay. <laughs> How does yeah. that anvil work, by the way? So so basically, it uh, the dwarves have six spells that they can choose from, uh, and it's like one is minus one to wound, minus one to hit. You get like real to hit, real to wound. And then there's two special ones. One is like a magical move, and the other one is uh, you dispel a spell that's in play as a, as a cast, like a spell that you cast, essentially. And uh, basically, the anvil gets to pick three of these spells uh, and cast them at range 36, which is much longer than any... 36-inch range. Yeah. It's like everywhere. And uh, it gets channeled two. And then uh, on top of that, it's just like it's basically behaves like a war machine, but it, it's quite solid because it has uh, five plus ages as well. So mm. it's just uh, it's just very good, and it's also unbreakable for some reason. Why uh, not? Like this, <laughs> this had happened. This happened to me in a game where something charged it, and it, I'm and he's like, "Oh, it's stubborn, right?" I'm like, "Yeah, maybe. Let me check. Oh no, it's unbreakable. So it's just gonna stay there. <laughs> Still casting spells. You know, yeah. it's, it's really good." So how much? How many points is it now? Customer hundred and ninety. Hundred ninety-five. Hundred ninety-five. Okay, so just just give you a comparison. The what what's its ages save by the way? Uh, five plus. Five plus. Yeah. So the the new dread elves altar is two hundred points. And admittedly, you get channel three. Yeah, so this one gets channel. It's a bit more expensive. So channel three, but you don't get unbreakable. You don't get three spells. <laughs> yeah. And you can't move. <laughs> yeah, this one you can move a whole three inches, which is like I so I was so used to playing the casket in the UD, and how that works is that if you move, then you can't cast the bounce spell anymore. So I, I, I was under the impression that this would be the same for the anvil power, but that's just not true. So you can like shuffle it around every turn, which is like sounds like it might not matter, but imagine you imp like you deploy this on a hill. And then somebody is hunting it, and you'd like every turn you're just like, I'm gonna step off the hill, or I'm gonna stand behind the hill, and it's you, you know, like it's gonna take this guy an extra turn or two to catch and kill this thing, which could be massive. Yeah, yeah, in a six turn game, I that think is. it's really undercosted. Yeah, I, I would say it, it's very good for three but, bounce uh, Henry, spells. Henry, quick question though, Henry. Yeah, um, with the altar. What does it matter if you can't if you're if you're not unbreakable since the altar doesn't move? It can still flee. Oh, like it can. If, if you if you beat it in combat, that's kind of when it matters. I would say. Yeah, Is it still, fearless? Still takes or whatever? Can you cause terror on it. No, it's it's fearless. It causes fear. Yeah, so like you won't fly, flee from shooting or panic, but if you charge it and then you don't kill it, but you break it, then then you can you know run it down. Okay. Good I think to so, know. Yeah. But yeah, but it's it's just a bit like ah, uh, come on, it's yeah, Anvil is like so undercosted compared to the Dread Elves one. So do you, do you you do you want me to uh, go through the list that I'm currently playing? Yeah. So so let's let's take a look at your um, Celtic Cup list. Yeah. Let's see. I. 
Let's see if I can find it so I can post it for hours well. So take, take uh, so advantage I, of all the broken stuff that we talked about, aside from the Grudge Busters. <laughs> yeah, so like my old list with all the Seekers, like basically Al- just Alex, Casimir has two hold stones. <laughs> right. Are you al- you're allowed to have two? Yeah, like one on the... Uh, like you can have one per like fighting character, basically. What? <laughs> so so my old have list... Have fun playing was, against uh, that, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like Flash. a lot of seekers that was like uh, the same price so like i decided to you know like when i started making this i was like let's just take everything that went down in points that's the that's the plan basically so so i have this list where in core i have two units of 25 marksmen with uh, crossbows and grape weapons and they both have a musician standard bearer with um, runic standard to hold and what that does is that when you count steadfast they count as having one more rank than they're currently having uh, which means essentially that you can deploy them in really long, you know, rows so they can shoot uh, like crazy. And then if they get charged by like a monster or something, they always count as having an extra rank, so they don't break steadfast until basically you kill all of them. Uh, oh, cool. So that, that's really solid. Uh, and now they fill up, fill out core perfectly with, uh, or not perfectly, you get like five points extra or something with two of them. Uh, then in the my like elite section, I decided to take like each of the infantry blocks that you can get. So I have a unit of six hold guardians, uh, which has full command and banner of relentless company. So this unit can you can choose the vanguard, and then you can pop your march banner and move like twenty seven inches on the first turn if you want to. Bruh. <laughs> it's, what? It's... <laughs> Good. Uh, then I have a unit of 26 King's Guards, and I, like you can think about these, like they're essentially like. Uh, like why do you take Banner of Speed? Uh, so, so here I was thinking about taking another Banner of Relentless Company uh, because I, I have a second one on another unit. But the thing is that you can only pop one Banner of Relentless Company per like turn. So I realized that like there won't be three turns in a game where I'm going to pop Relentless Company. Banner. Really? Really? So, you can only do one per turn? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I thought first time, just gonna pop all of them in the first turn and push, but you can't do that. Uh, so, so that's good to know if somebody tries to do it against you. Interesting. Uh, so, so that, so I thought like, so the dwarves will already march pretty fast. They march like nine, you know. So this unit is like my hammer. It, it's gonna kill shit because all the king's guard have two attacks each. Uh, so then I thought if I give them banner of speed, they can still march like 11 inches and they, they go like a little bit faster. So they'll be able, like hopefully be able to charge stuff, you know, that uh, the other units are engaging. Interesting. Uh, I, like, I think there's better choices for the banner in this unit. But... So what would you take instead? Um, I mean, you've got 26 guys, right? So you're always going to be five wide. And you say that the king's going in there as well? So like the plan, so the plan here, uh, I guess the plan is that uh, I have two characters and I have a king on a warfront. So warfront takes six times, or for, sorry, it takes three times two in space. Yeah. So kind of the plan for the king's guard because they're like the fighty ones with two attacks and grave weapons is that they'll go in horde or line formation. I should drink. Okay, then you'd be eight by eight by four. Yeah, exactly. So I'll be eight by by four, and then they're just gonna try to go smash it because the king, of course, is like super killy. Also, hmm. I was gonna say, what go, are, what is that go deep and take legion banner. Yeah, but they, I I would wouldn't take that on this unit because like then you'd rather take deep watch or something because yeah, the guys are holding. But so, fl- so like flaming, a, flaming banner would also be good, or yeah, flaming, um, 
A strider banner would also be good. Yeah. Like being able to stand in a ruin and or in a wood and get your ranks. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you can go seven wine and stuff as well. So, so I'll I'll go through the the rest of the units and then we'll do the characters. So, so I have uh, to f like finish out the the blocks. I have a unit of twenty four deep watch, uh, and they so they're the guys who like essentially the the elite like uh, anvil type of dwarves, and they have uh, full command and banner relentless company. So the idea here is that I push that unit up like into somebody's face, and they're really hard to kill. So like you can choose to charge them, but then you get stuck, and then you need to like you know then the rest will come in behind. Mm. Um, then there's two there's two copters just a chaff basically and then the characters uh, I think is is where it's like uh, this kind of list comes together so the first character is a king on a warfront and what he does the warfront gives you like the extra grudges and the grudges is the thing where you select like an enemy unit and then all your dudes hate that unit yeah uh, so so he provides like free grudges in himself so I get to hate, hate free units and then he's basically still, like, the whole army. <laughs> Yeah, essentially. It's essentially, like all the important units, you get to hate them unless you're fighting MSU or something. And uh, then he has the Rune of Destruction, which is multiple wounds D3 against anything. And uh, Rune of Might makes, uh, gives plus one strength. So essentially, he has four attacks at strength six with multiple wounds D3. <laughs> and he has a one plus save and uh, uh, like a six plus ages. So. Yeah, and a whole stone, of course. And then these grudges, they count for all your units? Yeah. Gross. <laughs> so basically the whole army gets hatred against the important stuff. Yeah, exactly. So it's just gonna smash, basically. Gross. And like the, the idea here is that like you can make a king that's really tanky as well. Like you can give him like an Aegis and reroll failed honor saves, but I didn't do that because the, the the idea is that this guy has like he's protected enough. He has like six hit points and one plus save. The six hit so, points is so broken. Like, <laughs> so if you kill him, does points. the grudges go away? Uh no. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> But I mean, if you if you kill if you kill them, then like we've already fought a lot, I think. So yeah, I mean, use some snipes. Oh yeah, true, true. But so many hit points. So, so like, kind of the the idea is that like I could protect them because he has a lot. It's a lot of points. But if I protect them a lot, like why would anybody fight me if they can't kill him? You know. So like the idea is that he is like relatively light on protection, but really just, just killing. a one plus save and a six of pages and and res five and six hit points. Yeah, sure. Yeah, no, but I mean, it's just better to, than like, a dragon. I mean, I, I agree, but like compared to what you can do, like I mean, you could spend like eight hundred points on the king and make him unkillable, you know. But but like, why would you do that? Because nobody's ever gonna fight him if he's unkillable. That's so true. like, the idea is, it's like there's some kind of incentive here to come come get him, you know. And it's kind of the same with the the BSB. It was a fane. He has uh, so he, he has uh, also one plus save, and then he has a hand weapon of uh, smashing. And this is the the thing. Uh, if you remember, Alex, that like if you fight something of uh, rest five or higher, you get strength ten. Yeah. So it like absolutely smashed. Uh, um, was it a? It wasn't a Feldrak. It was like a. Uh, what was it called uh, Wasteland Behemoth when we. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's crazy. So he I like a Doomlord on a wasteland behemoth and you just like erased him. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, a good thing I spent all that fucking time and energy and points on this gigantic fucking thing. Yeah. And it's it's also got a, a whole stone as well. Three hundred and forty points. Fuck's yeah. sake. Yeah, and he has that like a cheap, don't you think? Yeah, it is cheap. He has really like a standard of wisdom as well, and he gets a spell. 
Yeah, so he has a banner which get, lets him cast like one of the dwarf runes on uh, the unit that is in. And rune that's of iron. What's that? Uh, it's just plus one armor save. So like with the two rune of iron and the shield, he ends up at one plus. <laughs> so uh, then to round it all out, he has five as well. Yeah. <laughs> so to round it out, out all out, I have an anvil of power. So essentially, the list has four spells, which I would say is it's enough to cast one spell a turn, and that's really all you need. Like you just if you you know if you're pushing one unit up and you get one spell off on them every turn, like they're they're gonna be fine. So so kind of how how the list works is that the fane goes into the deep watch and they have bodyguard, so then they just become stubborn and really important, like really deep hard. Deep watch to break. have bodyguard. Yeah. What? Why? <laughs> I don't know because they're dwarves. Like it's it's so weird. Like all the dwarf elites have bodyguard for some reason. Ugh. And then the king let goes me at this book. Guard. Let me at this book. <laughs> <laughs> so the the king like the king goes into the king's guard, and you know as you might expect, they also have bodyguard for they the king. Have, you both have hold stones as well. Yeah. So like basically, I so can does be. Does it a matter if you have a hold stone? <laughs> like I mean, I don't think I need the whole stone. I, it's just like, why wouldn't you take it though for thirty-five points? Yeah. True. I mean, he's he's got exactly forty five hundred points, Henry. What no, else but, was he going to spend it on? But seriously, guys, for ruining like, everyone else's day. <laughs> your both the units that you're going in are stubborn, yeah. so you don't need a holdstone. Well, the holdstone is for if you like if you catch me in the in the flank, I still want to fuck you up, you know. But you're still stubborn. Uh, yeah, that's true. But but still, like I, I I mean, like if you charge me in the side, like I mean, the, I don't know. You I get guess you attacks on the side. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the you, get, you get multiple you get rank attacks. You get multiple ranks attacks with the holdstone, even from the back. You get them from every side. Yeah, it's dumb as dumb can be. I mean, that, that thing needs don't. Deleting. I mean, if there was a fucking turn up the sass button, I think somebody <laughs> pressed it right now because the question, Casimir, is why are you so lame? <laughs> so I was I was talking to Henry about this before, and I like I think we agree on the fact that like dwarves is probably the most forgiving army to play. Like like you can you have to fuck up like real bad to to lose hard. Like it might be a bit difficult to win like super big all the time, but like you always like end up somewhere in the middle at least. You know, if you're not and, getting ten points with dwarves, you're doing it wrong. Yeah, exactly. Shit. So. <laughs> So to me, I think that's that. Is, like to answer your question, that's kind of the the reason I'm um, like I like playing this because uh, Undying Dynasties that I used to play before is like inherently like like all undead, like fragile in a way because you have these like weaknesses that like if you fuck up, you can't you know you can't flee, you can't get out of the situation where you put yourself in, and that can like a lot of times when if you you know like if you fuck up, you can really just like lose horribly. So what's really nice about this is that you can play like an idiot and still like you know be fine right but you've got enough experience to not play like an idiot i don't know i don't know dude i don't know about that one so why so why not leave the dwarfs to the noobs is you know my question but i, I guess i guess the big question the big, the big question is if dwarves are this forgiving you know why? Why? Why does anybody play anything else? Is it just? It's basically aesthetic. Because everyone hates dwarves. Well, they hate the dwarves because they because they win so much, which would 
But I, th- I don't think they win that much because yeah. it's quite a hard army to to win big with. So they don't win many tournaments. Okay. Yeah, I would say that's why. Like, if you're a person who goes to an event and you're like, I wanna, I wanna win, like you know, I wanna stack the deck in the, like you know, to giving me the highest possible chance of getting first place. Like, dwarf's not a good army. To yeah. Take, if like, you're a dwarf player, like you're going to the event and saying, I'm, I wanna make five people in this weekend have a really shit event. And yeah. take dwarves. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, but say I mean saying all that, I think and this like, list is like the epitome of that. Uh, I wouldn't say so that. Is that like, because is that because no- in the tournament you you it's your total points gathered over your games? Yeah, it's like your yeah total like between zero and twenty. So, so if you, so then if you go as a dwarf player, what you're saying is that like you. The reason you're not gonna you're not gonna win is because you know you have to win a, at least a few games big to win a tournament. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You, normally if you want to win a tournament, you're gonna win every game between fifteen and twenty, and maybe yeah, you, you can maybe get like a thirteen or a ten and still win the tournament. But it depends on the other scores. So you usually have to win every game at a tournament like fairly big because there's always someone who wins big every game. Yeah, I would say like a, a, a probably somebody who's really good at playing dwarves would probably more like expect to ha- have every game finish between ten and fifteen, and that just usually is not enough to like break up, break out out into the top three. Yeah, so you're you're just basically denying other people. <laughs> and like to be fair though, like I think this list. I've made it to be quite aggressive. Like, there's no, there's no cannons, there's no war machines. Like, this is not made to sit in the corner. Like, this is made to to push units 15 inches a turn, like right into somebody's face. Just, just so like 50 crossbows and two copters. Yeah, but I mean, compared to what and you two can stones take, and two stubborn like units. <laughs> if you want to make a gun line, like I'm not like this list is made to to you know move into people's faces, but still like I still want to shoot stuff, you know. Look, I I can appreciate. Look, as as somebody who plays warriors who who basically needs to use spells to shoot stuff, I appreciate yeah. if you have stuff to shoot, you should shoot it. You know, like that's there's a whole round in the game dedicated to it. You know, but it's pretty funny that you're able to like just. Hit a big check mark on your core yeah. by putting fifty marksmen together, crossbows and great weapons. Like, how are these guys at fucking melee fighting? Because I'm five hundred and sixty-five points. Yes, yeah, uh, they're, they're still they're very quite, good in combat. They yeah, weapon they, skill four, right? Yeah, weapon skill four, and then with the great weapon, they're strength five. They, yeah, so that, so that's not too bad. And then when you're shooting crossbows, what's the range on those? So they have like thirty inches and strength four AP one. So thirty inches is is normal range. It's like a bit longer. I would say like a normal shooting weapon would be twenty four, and a thirty is like a long range. So it's so you're getting. I mean, if you're if you're pushing up with, as you're saying, you are you're going to be you're going to be getting fifty shots off per round alex we worked it out just before we came on air and uh you do something like 30 wounds against what if you if you're targeting one unit you do about 30 strength four ap1 wounds um over 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 two rounds of shooting and one unit standing and shooting it's pretty like against a res four unit 
So that just means that that unit's gone. So that's yeah. if if it's against the unit of warriors, that's fifteen dead warriors before combat. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty rough. Like kind of kind of the idea here is that the the marksmen like deploy on one side, and then they just you know like like you you just kind of shoot stuff and stand still, and then the other half of the army just pushes up the other flank. Mm -hmm. And with thirty inches of range, it's pretty easy to shoot stuff and stand still, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, like if, after not shooting for such a long time, it's a lot of fun to actually shoot again. I have to say. Well, I can understand if you get to roll fifty dice every <laughs> fucking shooting round. Oh, like how do? Hang on a second. I'm gonna have to roll in two batches. I've only got twenty-two <laughs> dice here. No, no, no. The best feeling is when you when they're like, you should roll that in batches, and you're like, no, 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 and then you get fifty dice that you can barely hold in your hands. You know, they're just like falling off. And you try to roll them. Do you That's own fifty dice? Yeah, yeah, hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. Like back way back in eighth edition, I had an undying dynasty list that shot like hundred eighty shots a turn, and that was that was fun. Okay, so that's, what we're saying is the dwarves are super cheap, especially in the new version that, that yeah. you're playing with. I mean, they're not just cheap in the sense that um, they're inexpensive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so moving on to the, the pointy ears. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about the highborn elves and the silver elves because they're the two armies I know the best. So um, I think the changes in both books were fairly like straightforward um it was quite obvious the things that went up in price and went down in price um aside from the the limits on the mounts which i think is fairly uniform um the spear of blazing dawn went up five points which is probably fair enough um the gleaming robe went down five points which is probably fair enough demon bane went up five points which is probably fair enough um, I think the, the big change is the Master of Cranry Tower went up 30 points. Oh, well, I mean, it, it was like an auto-include, basically, right? Yeah, but it doesn't... I think the what it does makes it an auto-include, not not the yeah, price. So I think I would agree. you're probably still taking this. It's just more expensive if you lose it. Yeah. No, and I, and I, I think that's, that's a bit negative, in fact, because you're probably now are not going to put it in like a combat list. You're going to more run it at the back yeah, in like an like avoidance a, style which is like i think a, is a bit sad right it's like a design issue that they i mean they designed this choice that is just as you say like indispensable you, you you're gonna take it because it's so good yeah and there's no there's no alternative that does anything remotely the same yeah i, I think it's a it's a little sad to be honest um, what is it so so why what what is it what do you do with it? What do you do with it? It's a BSB that's also the mage that can also somewhat fight if you put some defensive kit on it. Yeah, like kind of, I would say that the reason why it's so important is that like normally if you take a, a BSB and a lot of armies, the, he is kind of a character that does like not a lot. Like he, you know, he's a bit like half useless, but in the, in the Highborn Elves, you can also make him basically an adept with quite a good spell selection. And and that's why it's so good, you know. Yeah, gotcha. it chooses some good spells and yeah. I I, I think in most lists it's an all, it's like a fairly auto include thing, and then going up thirty points is quite a big nerf. Yeah. Good. <laughs> Fuck those elves. 
You know what I'm saying? Everybody out there that's a high worn elf player can kiss my grits. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> uh, it, went down, it went down on the high prints. So, yeah, so, so like it's only, only 40 points there. Yeah. But I think that's because you you that makes it the same price because you pay the base cost and then you pay extra if it's a high prints. Yeah. So it's the same price regardless yeah, on the high prints. Can't be a BSP on the high sprints. That's the important part. Yeah, exactly. Um, the fleet officer went down ten points. Not going to change <laughs> the fact that I, that no one will ever take that. Yeah. I think Queen's companion going up ten points is also fair. So you had a double double nerf on the standard build because you have the spear going up five points, and then the Queen's companion going up ten points, and then also the high prince going up five points. Yeah. Uh, so that build and and also the dragon armor as well if that's what you're doing uh so everything kind of all the the kind of the prince builds went up like in points and all the griffins also went up in points by about 20 points per griffin both on both on the commander and the high prince so that's a substantial nerf there there's a lot of armies running around with two or three griffins and and I mean, they're, they're now going up 20 points, so that makes it not as nice. And the dragon armor as well. I'll say, I'll drink dragon forged armor. <laughs> up five points across the board as well. Uh, probably fair because it does a lot. Yeah. Um, Commander went down five points. I think with the griffin going up and the dragon forged armor going up, that's, that's fair enough. Um, into the units, the citizen spears. The base cost goes up 10 points and additional models go down 1 point. I think that's fine. I think the most optimal way of playing these is in small units, so that makes sense. Trying to encourage the larger units. So like how so wait, how many models then? You need to go to like 20 or something? So to, to when, you, when you get to 30 models, you pay the same price. X command group, because obviously that's down 30 points. Yeah. So yeah, the bigger units got cheaper. I think that's fine. Uh, Lancers, probably the standout, one of the worst units in the book. Uh, yeah, down five points per model, down one points per additional model. I would expect these to go down more. Yeah. Like, if you look at the other books, even the Warriors, like uh, where Chosen went down more, like well, a lot more than this. Yeah, I, I, th I think they're being very conservative because it's a core unit, but at the yeah. same time, additional models need to be way cheaper, in my opinion. Yeah. They can keep the well, they can keep the base size as it is, but additional models is is a bit of a waste. So I think they need to go down to thirty points, maybe. If you're somebody who's running a lot of lancers in their army, I guess. Uh, Pete, <laughs> I guess you're getting pretty excited. Yeah, exactly, Pete. Hey, Pete. Good news. But I mean, if let's say you're running ten ten models. So basically, you're getting a 10 points decrease and a 10 points decrease in command. Uh, so that's a, a total of 40 points decrease in the unit, which is still probably not going to take them because they're so expensive and don't do enough. But yeah. uh, maybe, 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 maybe. If you're going to take maybe 15, it makes more sense. But then you're yeah. really pushing your list in a certain direction. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced. 
if, you know, it might be like one of those things, right, where it becomes more clear when you actually make lists rather, like if you look at it on paper, I would agree with you, it doesn't seem like it's worth it, but maybe this would like, you know, allows you to get something else in that type of list that makes it better, you know? Yeah, I'm, I'm just going to do a quick calculation and see how much it costs for a unit of 15. Um, but just to, just to carry on, um, the archers got a bit cheaper, both base cost and additional models. So I think I think that could be an interesting unit moving forward. Um, I think especially with the meta, where dread elves are like not dominating, but they're the the new the new toy on the block. So I think yeah, maybe maybe the archers could come in a little bit now. Now they're a little bit cheaper. Maybe the larger units. Um, just go back to the Lancers, a unit of 15 with full command is 580 points, but you're always going to want to take a magic banner. So you're still looking at like 600 points for a unit, which is just way too much. Yeah. Like, l let's just compare that 565 <laughs> point block of dwarves against the Lancers. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just no comparison. Like it, it shoots, it shoots. That's the like. Sure, the lancers are fast, but are they fast enough? You know. I mean, I mean, you're you're still gonna get two rounds of shooting on them if you go yeah. if you take the first turn. Yeah, like I think I think you got like if you're gonna have to run at those two units, you're gonna have to put more than a block of lancers there. And and the fact the fact is that you've got you've got two units there. <laughs> yeah. So one unit of lancers is not gonna do it. No, no, no way. Okay, so the Sea Guards went up five points base and two points per additional model, so really big up up in price here, especially on the larger units. Yeah. It may be warranted. I think that's probably fair. Um, I've seen Patrick playing two big units of Sea Guard just to fill out his core, and they're pretty good. So I think that's probably fair. Do you have any comments on that? Like, uh, I, I mean... It's, it's interesting as a unit, right? Because it was one of those units that was seen as terrible for the longest time. And then suddenly they just shifted from being terrible to being that's, good, that's I cause, guess. That's because they get pointed in the right points bracket. But now they're going yeah. back the wrong way. And I think I think they're still going to be taken. I think I think this is probably a fair, a fair points change. They got like a big discount last time around, right? Yeah, huge actually. I think this is pretty much putting them back to where they were. Oh, but but this, is this really that big of a change? I guess the additional models is... is yeah, so, I mean, if you, let's say you're taking, like, 25. So yeah. you're paying 5 points more per unit, and then an additional 10 models, so that's 20 points. So you're paying 25 points more on the unit, so it's actually with full command, it's about the same. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I think they were, were uh, like, a bit more expensive, I guess, what is it, two years ago now? Uh I mean, they as they seem to be doing quite well. I guess it might be a, a reason. Yeah, I, I, th I think it's I think it's okay. So all of the infantry for the all the elite infantry on the Highborn Elves got reduced by one point for additional models. So Swordmasters, Lion Guard, and Flame Wardens all minus one point per model. I think this is okay as well because there's a lot of armies that don't use the infantry and. I th yeah, I think they they are a little bit overcosted for what they do, not much, but enough to to make it to make it need like a needful change. I, th I think this is fine. Um, yeah. The phoenix went 
down in base cost, but the Fire Phoenix went up in price. Is the Fire Phoenix really still dominating? I, I seem to still I'd say see... it's the other way around, but... Yeah, exactly. I thought it was the other way around currently. But so I, I, think, I think we're going to see much more Frost Phoenixes in the, in the next... In the next couple of, in the next maybe few months, few years, like I think Frost Phoenixes are really strong. Um, Fire Phoenixes, I mean, it's overall got a five point discount, <laughs> but I mean, sure. Yeah, I don't really think it changes that much, to be honest. I think in in general, um, with the highborn elves, the lists are not going to change in any way. The discount to lancers isn't going to change anything. If people want to take spears, they're still going to take spears. Um, if people, maybe people will take some more archers. Probably not. I think the sea guard as well is still going to see lists. Um, the difference will be in the character section. Um, things are a little bit more tight over there. But if you want to take that list, you're still going to take that list. You're just going to reduce the points in other areas. So in general, I think there's not much really changed in the hibernals. Maybe you're going to see then, more champions. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully we see more of command just all across the board in all armies, I would say. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely going to see, like, champions on Reaver units now and stuff like that. Oh, oh, oh okay. I take back what I said. That sounds terrible. <laughs> okay, so, moving did... on to the Silver Elves. So everything here is pretty much uh, price reductions across the board. It's all very like on brand, I would say. It's all yeah, cool. I think this is everything here makes complete sense. All the yep. pretty much all the magic items that were not used go down in points substantially, which yep. makes sense because a lot of the items in the Sylvanoff book are absolute trash. <laughs> uh, the Druid went down in price. The Avatar of Nature went down in price. That's probably questionable, but all like, the well, other stuff. It's already quite good, right? Because it's the the big tree man guy. Yeah, exactly. Like six hundred points is pretty good. I think. I think yeah. that's a standout choice right now in the book. Um, Thicker Shepherd went up. Fair enough. Um, Dryads is an interesting one. Base cost goes up. Additional models go down. I think Dryads are probably point for point one of the most efficient units in the game. Mm. And especially the larger units are really good. So this is an interesting change. I think they've uh, this mirrors what they've done in a lot of books, and like this is kind of what they did in the dwarf book as well. For some units, is that like the base goes up, but then the additional model goes down. So it's like a discount for ranked infantry, but if you want to run MSU or something, it's a little bit of an increase. Yeah, and that's probably fair enough, right? Yeah, I would agree. Um, the forest guard went down substantially. That's a unit that you don't see very often. Um, I think yeah, it still needs it still needs to go down a bit more to make it worthwhile but well i think the silver elf book is maybe going to change soon so yeah we'll see um heath riders i think this is a big change actually uh base yeah. cost goes down heath hunters go up so that offsets so the heath hunters are the same price so so what does the is the heath hunters the shooting one or what yeah does exactly that so the five the five man unit is the same price okay um well, and then yeah. the, basically the heath hunter stayed the same price and the the regular scoring unit went down quite a lot. So if yeah. you take ten, then you've got a twenty point decrease in cost, and then the fifty, the, the thirty from the command group. So for a fifty in total, which I think is is interesting actually. 
So maybe you're going to see some Heath Rider units with some uh, Elk Lords in there. I think that's going to be that's yeah. like maybe a thing because they're quite cheaper, quite much yeah, cheaper I, now. I already had my shit handed to me by one of those units before with like two stag dudes in it or some shit, and it, yeah. it was horrible. Yeah, exactly. The the Sylvan Archers additional models went down in price, which is good. I think the base price of the unit also needs to go down to make them worthwhile, but fair enough. Um, Rangers additional models went down in cost. That's also good. I think Rangers are like the sneaky good unit in the Sylvan Elf book. And I think the, the Forest Rangers... Like which unit was that? Uh, like, They're basically Swordmasters without plus one to hit. Oh yeah, it's the it's like the dudes with uh, with just great weapons. Basically. Yeah, the AP three great weapons, two attacks. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I think this is going to be a sneaky good unit, especially combined with all the trees and the tree magic. I think with divination, they could be really nice. Yeah, I can imagine. Kestrel knights went up a bit in cost, um, just because well, of the, the shield going up. Uh, yeah, I guess. Three points per model, because you're never really going to run them with bows. I've done it by accident in a UB tournament, but... Um, yeah, I, I still think... Um, I think it's probably fine. Do they really go up? Like, they, they reduce the base cost by five, and then additional balls by two, and but shields is up by three. Like, doesn't it work out as almost the same anyway? Yeah, I mean, if you let's say you take four guys. Yeah. So you're paying... You're paying seven points, like seven points less, but then twelve points more. Okay, so, so like very. It went up five bit. points, so not really much. Didn't really change. Yeah. Tree father went down. Um, probably fine. Huntsman went down a lot. Yeah, this is I think this could change. be a new, a sneaky good unit as well. Like lots of units of huntsmen running around, especially with yeah. the command change i think they could be pretty viable uh pathfinders yeah. went down a lot as well but they were way too expensive anyway so yeah. that's probably yeah. fine it's insane it's still insane that like one little fucking elf costs 45 points it's just it's, yeah it's so <laughs> yeah and then the sentinels went up which is probably fine and then the scout went down which is probably fine so i think all these all these changes in all um i think the sylvan elves book got a bit more powerful because it's a lot cheaper, but I think it's all justified. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, what was what is your impression overall then, uh, both of you, of the points update? Um, didn't change much, but maybe added to balance, maybe by like two or three percent. Okay. Like my my impression is that it, it was it was like a very like good update i think for the game because it, it makes a lot of people excited because for i think for most books like overall things got like a little bit cheaper even even in the really powerful books like sure some entries got more expensive but it, the things that got cheaper got probably cheaper like more cheaper than the things got expensive so i think that was that was good and then for the like the lower uh, tier books like empire i heard got like a huge discount and dwarves as well so i, I mean I think that it, overall, it's a, it's a like a very nice update. Yeah, I agree. It's always nice to shake things up a little bit, and, and yeah. I think this this did it in the in the right way. And I really like the command group uh, price decrease. I think it's going to make things a bit more interesting. Yeah. So let's quickly just talk about the magic changes. 
Oh yeah. I think there's yep. two paths that were really affected by it. Um, yeah. I think the, the first is pyromancy. Yes, um, no, so you wanna you wanna take it, customer? Uh, yes, I'm gonna pull it up here. So it's the uh, I hear myself a little bit right now uh, on your side, right? For me, it's okay. Okay. Well, uh, so the I, the cascading fire, the number five spell, like changed completely. So before it was some kind of like you did hits to people in, in base contact, I think, and now it's. Uh, it's instead a hex that you cast on enemy units, and that unit gets minus X defensive skill, uh, and where X is the, the armor that they have. So something with like a 2 plus save has armor 5, uh, so that means that they get minus 5 defensive skill. And if you boost it and you power it up, it, you also get minus 5 agility as well. So like this is really, really powerful just because the, the pyromancy path in general is good against stuff without armor, and now you have this one spell that is actually also really good at stuff with armor. So I think it really makes the, the path a lot more dynamic than it was before. Yeah, I, I like this change in general. Um, I think it's I think it's good that it it also kind of removes another pew pew spell, which makes yeah the the matchup a bit more balanced. If you're playing elves or something that really like beast herds or something that vermiswarm that really gets affected by pyro and that's that's nice. Um, I also look at, like the casting value of this spell is ridiculously cheap. Yeah, exactly. It really is like if, if like if this is gonna fuck over like warriors and, and dwarves and like anything that's uh, like well dwarves maybe won't care that much, but but definitely warriors. Uh, like you, because you, you like your fire spells won't really do anything against dudes with two plus and one plus save. Yeah. But then it cast this on them, and then suddenly you like your ogres or whatever it is are gonna hit first. So. Yeah, and well, the twelve inch range version is probably fair because twelve inches is quite difficult to pull off. Yeah. But yeah, um, I, I, I like this change. Um, yeah, I think it's good. Scorching salvo moving to number two spell. I think we're gonna see a lot more adepts on pyro. Yeah, definitely. Like, Scorching Salvos is a really good spell uh, just to clear the board of random stuff, right? So having that on Adam is really good. Yeah. So yeah. The, other, the other big change is uh, in Witchcraft. Yeah, I think I think this is actually a nerf to the path. You think despite so? Despite what people may think. Because you, you've played this path a bit before. Like, I'm really, I've never, ever played this path. So yeah, I've been playing this a lot. And okay, so the two big changes, um, of course, Bewitching Glare is completely new now. It's basically the old Dread Elves um, spell. Um, it casts on an 8 plus. It's only 18 inch range, so it's reduced from 24 what the Dread Elves spell was. So it's 18 inch range, which is not ideal if you want to use it for shooting. Um, melee attacks against the target unit must reroll fail rolls to wound. So it's basically reroll, reroll fail rolls to wound. Um, hex on a unit. So if you're fighting with multiple units, then every unit gets rerolled to wound on against that unit that you're hexing. Yeah. Um, but the 18 inch range makes it really deliberate, deliberating. Is it, I don't know. I'm, 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 I'm six beers in. Um, debilitating. Debilitating. That's the one. Thanks, thanks, uh, Al, for coming out of your silent corner. Um, 
But then I, you, I actually so, ran off to get a drink. But <laughs> but then you can you can boost it on a twelve plus for shooting as well. Yes, that's so which, expensive. Which is ridiculously expensive for an eighteen inch range spell. I like you. You're just never gonna like if you're putting your wizard yeah. within eighty within eighteen inch range, then you're gonna get charged. What's the boosted version do though? So you can reroll uh, to wounds for shooting as well. So so okay. So which uh, which uh, armies can take this really? You can have it on on dread elves like vermin, which vermin can, swarm. Yeah, vermin swarm. You can't take it on empire, right? No. No. So I'm just thinking like where would this? Does orcs orcs have witchcraft? Yeah. Yeah, I guess for orcs that would be powerful because they have like low strength shooting. Uh, that, that that would really benefit from real world. Yeah. Uh, but still, I see. I, I would agree. Like, I think for twelve, I would also expect the range to be boosted because, like, I think that there's been other twelve plus spells, and a lot of times, unless they're like game changing, like you're not gonna cast them, like not on twelve. Yeah, I, I think it's it's a too high casting value for the range that you get. Yeah. And I, I think, well, what if you're like? What if you have like a really big ranged war machine or something? Like um, on the, even though it's actually not that big, would the I, I, when I played against Pete, he was playing orcs, and he had these fucking things that when they hit you, they do multi, they do D three wounds, right? When they hit. Yeah, the splattered. Oh, not splattered. What are you calling? I forget now. Like the flings that you, like the little, little goblins. Yeah, well, well th think think about it like this: like your your little goblin shaman is going to be a master because it's number six. A skew right? skewerer. Yeah, oh, the, yeah. the skewers doesn't really matter, but it's, I think it's more about like the the git launchers or the even like even like the splatterers. Like, let's say you hit a unit of infantry, you've got to be within eighteen inch range to actually cast this. So this spell is really only going to be effective in one turn of the game. Because the first turn you're probably not going to be in range for 18. The second turn is probably going to be the turn that you use it on. Then the third turn you're probably going to be in combat or... Like, I mean, if, you're never, if you haven't done your crazy supercharge by the third turn, I guess you're probably... Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe two turns, but by turn four you're going to be in combat anyway, so... I just feel like this spell needs to be 24 inch range. Yeah, make, I would, I would, especially on a 12 plus, because you're investing at least four dice in this to cast it. Cast it. Yeah, I like. I think it could even be 11 plus. Like, I think 12 is 12 is like almost four, almost five dice. You know, like four four dice you might cast it, five dice if you really want to. I mean, it's an 11 with a master, right? Because you're gonna get plus one. So, so yeah. I I just think the dread elves is a 12. I just think back to in the cosmology, the, the uh, I forget the spell name, but the one that makes everybody take a, a hit in the unit or gives you an ages. Like yeah. that spell successfully. Yeah, exactly. It's gone down now to it's now a nine plus in this update. It's like when it when it was introduced, it was like eleven or twelve as well, and it was also one of those things where like getting an, an ages or something is really powerful. But like, are you really gonna cast it on eleven? Like, it's it's a quite a big ask, you know. Yeah. Like it's a lot of dice. You can blow up your wizard. Like it's so th that's kind of what I feel about this. Well, I, I get that they're really scared about gun lines, but it's just a, a bit too expensive for what it yeah, is. I agree. And then the the other nerf to the path is Raven's Wing. It reduced to eighteen inch range, which is like why? 
Uh, well, I, I would say I would say this is a needed change because Raven's Wing was so good. Like it's it's one of the the best spells in the game. I would say like just because of how wide the range was, so you could really manipulate. Was, the was 24 that much? I, I would I would say so. I mean, okay, so especially if you compare it to Dance Macabre, like. The reason Raven's Wing was so good was like because you get casted basically anywhere on your army if you have your wizard in the middle, and you get a you get a free attack. Yeah, so, that, yeah. that's that's not really relevant, but yeah, the so 18, me, 18 inch range. Like, why did it change? Is is many armies like taking advantage of this or? Well, I mean, I feel like don't you use it quite a lot, especially on your uh, cranberry power BSP? Yeah, but. The, one of the reasons why I use it was because it's 24 inch range. Now I'm probably not going to use it because it's. Yeah, 18. I mean, maybe, maybe it's too big of a. Well, good. Good, Henry. I'm glad. Uh, Alex, I'm glad you're not gonna Alex do you remember any time in, the, in our games where this has made a difference? No. Well, but, now, I, I, but now it'll make even fewer. <laughs> I've definitely had this, like, uh, move shit out, like, into, you know. Casimir, what's the range of the magical move on the dwarves' magic? Uh, well, it's uh, 15 if you take it on a runesmith. And if you take it on the anvil? Oh, it's, uh, it's 36 inches. But, but it's, also, it's only 6 inches forward uh, compared to 8 slash 12. Like the ability to move a, like a, a block or whatever it is, 12 inches, like from 24 inches away, it's, it's so good. Yeah, I, 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 I agree. But you're investing in, like a lot of dice for a move spell where you could be doing like something else. I mean, I, I like I see your point, but to to but me, it's I, important. It's an important move, then, right? Yeah, I, I feel like it's still going to be good at eighteen. That's my my feeling right now. I might be wrong, but that's I, I, okay. I was playing a game on actually yesterday where I got caught out because my wizard was not in range for the spell, and I was like, okay, I cast this on this unit, and he was like, you know, it's eighteen inch range, and I was like, what? He's like, yeah, it changes. Like, fuck. <laughs> yeah, it's like suddenly you leave the UB game. Like, I'm not playing anymore. Yeah, well, I, I lost the game basically because I couldn't, I couldn't uh, Ravens wing my unit onto the objective. Uh, right, but you, but that's that's mostly because you thought that you could. If you yeah. had known you couldn't, then it would have been different. But, like, so it's but not... like, there was no way I could put my wizard in range. Yeah, yeah. Well, not not when you assumed that it was 24 inches the whole game. But if yeah. you knew it was 18 the whole game, you might have set up different. You might have maneuvered different. Yeah, maybe. There's a maybe. lot of things. There's a lot of things that would change if you had known at the start of the game yeah, that so it was 18 inches. You know. I, I guess to me, like if you compare this to Dance Macabre, it's 12 inches for. Yeah, to, that, but that's just too short. Yeah, like that's it. I think I think 18 is is kind of a, a decent spot where it's like you you can't like sit back and do it, but it's still like you still have some range to like. But doesn't Dance Macabre also have like an AOE version? Uh, yeah, you can make it into an aura that's nine inches yeah. uh, if you want to. So like you have the possibility of doing something really crazy with it if you're moving your army up like tight. Yeah, but, but it's more for the VC that have like a. Everything's playing in the twelve-inch bubble. Yeah. Anyway, I've only I, I think... used that spell once, and it worked well. But yeah, I still, I, I mean, Raven Swing is just far superior to that album Still, I would say. Yeah, but I, I feel like witchcraft is is a path that's very rarely taken, and it's not yeah. a strong path. 
So, okay, so because I thought that the reason they did this change is what to make it better, but you feel like it's worse now. Yeah. Okay. Well, I guess we'll I guess we'll see. Like I, I mean, as I said, I've never played with it, so I don't really know. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So I think we'll just take a quick break before we go into the Hobgoblin uh, supplement review. It's just sure. as I run out of beer again, and. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not really sure how it goes But it's sad and it's sweet and I knew it complete When I wore a younger man's clothes La 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 Welcome back to Amatime Podcast, episode number 60. So it's been maybe some time, and we're finally going to get into the main topic of the show, which <laughs> is going to be the Hobgoblin book review. Yeah, and well, at least least wanna, I just want to start this off with a tiny bit of sass, okay? Go for it. Why do the Infernal Dwarves need more shit? It's like the biggest fucking army, like... With the, with the most, most insane, insane number, number of things that you can put in their army. Why do they need more stuff? I mean, they're, came up, they're already dwarves, right? So they're like the master race. Yeah? Who, and, and they've got so many different types of units with so many variances. It's like, what? who was like, you know what else we need for these guys? Hobgoblins. Like, okay, so let, let, me, let me answer this question. So the, there's two ways that I can answer this question. The first is... Okay, the army book supplement is not extra stuff for the Infernal Dwarves. It's more like an additional army book in the same way. It's, it's more like an additional army book that can be used in conjunction with the Infernal Dwarves, but not in the same book as the Infernal Dwarves. It's, it's a different book. And then the second way I can answer this is like, you have to compare it to Warriors of the Dark Gods that also have Osklanders and Cultists. So it's, well, it's basically the same thing. Or, the, yeah, the Maka. So it's, yeah, sorry, yeah, the Maka or the Osklanders, the Cultists as demons. So it's basically the same thing as the Warriors. Like, you can't use, like, Maka units in a Warriors army in the same way. Ah, uh, so these are... So... So you, the hobgoblins cannot join an infernal dwarf army. Yeah, there maybe will be some infernal dwarves in the hobgoblin army, but this is going to be more limited. Mm. So it's like yeah, it's, in, like, it's like basically the same as like the Maka or the Osklanders for warriors. Yeah, so it's like representing a distinct sub faction that might like that's related to the infernal dwarves, but it, it's not the infernal dwarves. It's like something that that you wouldn't be able to represent by just playing a normal infernal dwarf uh, army list. Does that, does, that, um, does that hold your... You can't see it, but I'm squinting my eyes at both of you. <laughs> <laughs> Over the brim of my soda pop glass. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah, it's fine. So th- this is going to be not a review of the whole book, but more of a sneak peek of uh, where the design team is with some of their designs. Obviously... Yeah, it's not done yet, right? Like, no, it's, it's, still... in, it's in process, but it's just a, just a sneak peek of uh, what they're what they're thinking right now. So a lot of this could change in in the time between now and when the book is released. 
Yeah, but I think one of the guys, like, explicitly wanted us to say that it probably will change, so so people don't get too excited about, you know, wrong things. Yeah, but it's just a, just a way of, like, building a bit of hype and, and kind of moving the book towards the community in a positive way. So yeah. if you guys have any feedback on what you think about these units, whether it's the background or the ideas or even the rules, then let us know and we can pass that on to the, the team that are, that are doing the book. So first up, what I wanted to talk about was actually what are hobgoblins? Yeah. To give us an idea of actually what we're talking about. Yeah. So obviously we, we know we know from legacy and we know from some of the background that the hobgoblins are like a main race of vassals in the for the Infernal Dwarves. Um the hobgoblins hobgoblins themselves. <laughs> Uh, a, a race of goblins. They're physiologically like pretty similar to normal goblins. They might have a different color skin, but otherwise they're the same goblins as other goblins. So would you would you say that their stature is the same as? Uh, so they're like kind of diminutive as well. Because I, I remember if I go from what I know in legacy, like in workshop stuff, I, I mean. Then, then they, they were, were something, something like that, that they, they were taller than normal goblins or something like yeah, that? Yeah, so that was the legacy. But in, in the Ninth Age, they're, they're basically the same as, as regular goblins, but maybe just they might have a different color skin tone. or the, I think it's referring more to what, in fact like the, where they live and their culture yeah. rather than their actual physiology. Okay. Yeah, yeah they, they, they do, do appear, appear in the Infernal Dwarves... Army book as well. Like yes. there's uh, there's uh, hobgoblins appearing, I think, in the Vassals Part Two. Yeah, uh, exactly. So, so that's what I wanted to start with. So maybe you guys want to take us through this this uh, piece, or at least yeah, where so it refers to the the hobgoblins. So, so uh, I go? So I'll go into the Vassals Part Two here, and it's yeah. uh, it's, it's like, like a series of letters, letters which, uh, which I think, think they, they, this, this is, uh, I mean, we'll talk about more about this in the full uh, Infernal Dwarfs episode, but it, it's in the book, uh, in the Infernal Dwarf book a lot, where like a lot of the story is told through like letters that somebody is sending to somebody else telling about their experience. And uh, it's the experience of this, this human guy who's been you know, recruited or pressed into service as a, a vassal for the Infernal Dwarfs, and how he's going to go off and like fight, fight the battle. and. You know, you when, know he when he gets, gets like, like recruited into that that, uh, that service, he encounters the hobgoblins that are also you know fighting for the infernal dwarves, and they kind of lord it over this guy, uh, and are like to, to be frank, just fucking douchebags. They kind of bully uh, him a bit, right? Yeah, exactly. Which uh, is, seems to be like indicative of like the social status that the uh, the hobgoblins have in this in, you know in the infernal society. Yeah, I think the yeah. hobgoblins are a little bit like higher up the, the food chain in the vassals. Yeah. Yeah, and it seems to be like a vassal type of, uh, I guess, society or, or like when you're a vassal for the Infernal Wolves, this, this is the thing that like matters a lot. It talks in a lot of piece about how the humans kind of, uh, you know, style the beards and stuff to match the dwarves as closely as possible because you want to like kind of, you know, push yourself up in the social scale so you can like push down to the other people that's below, that are below you. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, what does it what does it actually tell us about the hobgoblins themselves? <laughs> I'm trying to remember. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, I mean, uh, so 
yeah, they're telling me that they're talking about how they're like nomadic warriors, uh, right? That come from like the the steppe. Yeah, and they 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 ride these like shaggy mounts, and the the mounts are getting fed more than the vassals are. Oh yeah, it's like, yeah, that's actually <laughs> quite nice. Where like the these humans are like fucking starving uh, out on this campaign trail, but the you know the wolves or, or whatever it is that the hobgoblins are riding are just like eating slabs of meat and uh, you know enjoying themselves. <laughs> Obviously, the, the hobgoblins are not the only other vassals. That they have, the Infernal Dwarves have many different races under their, under their wing, but the hobgoblins make up a large amount of, of the vassals. Yeah, and like, what was interesting to me in this piece is that I got the, the, the feeling that like, in the perspective of this, this guy, like the, the human who's writing letters, like, like the, the Infernal Dwarves almost seem to be nicer than the, the Hobgoblins, <laughs> if you see what I mean. Yeah. The Hobgoblins, because they're like the enforcers, you know, they, they just kind of really, really came off as like really fucking these people over, whereas he's like, oh, the Overlord, he'll be nice to us, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And um, they also have like wizards and, and stuff like that as well. And, uh, and there's like a, a chieftain called Gorba. Yeah, and um, he's also riding a big wolf, and and he commands a lot of respect. And he's, he's also, also a lot bigger, bigger right? And this, this is something, something that's um, is common for greenskins, green I guess, in this world as well. Is that like the, you know the, the biggest ones rise to prominence? Like he yeah. says that he almost looks like an orc. Yeah, exactly. Like he's like kind of big and tough, right? He's like so gangly and whatever. And uh, I think I think it's quite funny that. Uh, that the the, go the hobgoblins are like obviously telling him a lot of different funny stories to make them like scared or whatever like kind of yeah, maybe it's, maybe it's joking maybe it's not but it's kind of like yeah, yeah. boys talk right yeah exactly like they, they really just like seem like the rowdy assholes in the army who are just like picking on the new guys yeah yeah so, which I, I guess they like. Um, so, so, so the, the impression I got from, from the story is that they really have this kind of privileged position among all the, the vassals, that they, they're kind of the elite that they call on to, like, uh, you know, do their dirty business, the Infernal Wars. And, like, maybe the other vassals are, are a little bit more just more like cannon fodder than the Hobgoblins. Romans. Yeah, and, and I, that's, that's definitely what the piece is trying to explain. And I think that's how we should also see the Hobgoblins. Is this not, like, master race, but kind of... First among the lowborn, yeah, or first among the vassals, where they they kind of take a little bit precedent precedence over the other vassal races because because of their like they would say affinity to the infernal dwarves or or like whatever makes them tick is probably more like like loyalty and obedience like they they want to be protected by by the infernal dwarves so they're they're very loyal and they kind of do their job in that respect. Mm. So, so they're kind of the favored vassals, and and that's also why they they're so prominent in the Ninth Age background that they deserve their own supplement book. It's such yeah. like a big nation or a big faction in the in the background that they that they kind of deserve a book, and and that's why one is being made, and that's why we're going to cover it. Yeah, so so I guess a question. I don't know if you can uh, answer this, but uh, you said that they want to like be protected by the Infernal Wars. Do they have like some uh, like enemies that they like, uh, you know, that the, that the Infernal Wars help them against in their like I guess tribal struggle and stuff like that? Well, yeah, I think um, I think as as with 
like our world, life on the steppe is very harsh. And yeah. tribes are always conquering tribes and like if if you're if you're a tribe of goblins then you want protection from your infernal dwarf overlords because if you're affiliated with them then no one's gonna mess with you. So I think that kind of protection value is 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 like a big asset for them. Because of the yeah. such harsh existence and, and where they live and, and their lifestyle. Yeah, definitely. And and as you'll see with the goblin background, when it comes around to it, um, without saying too much, I think that the goblins as well are they they are very well aware about their physical frailty. Okay. And maybe they are very accustomed to using other races and other factions and other other people to offer them protection which is why they're kind of the way they are they're shrewd and they're they understand how to use people for the right things if that makes sense yeah like they i, I guess, guess you, you find, find them always in in situate like, like allied with with, uh, with bigger like uh, friends like the infernal wars or the uh, the warborn and things like that yeah exactly Right, so let's move on to the actual book review, or the sneak peek of the book review. So yeah. let's start with the special rules. So we got shared two special rules. Yeah, yeah. So, so like, like the, the first, first one, one is, is, is kind of a universal rule, which is called uh, Sheep Shot, which affects shooting attacks. So when a unit with this rule uh, shoots uh, a, like a unit in the flank or the rear, uh, so that's when you, that's the majority facing that you're targeting, uh, then your shooting against attacks gets plus one to hit and plus one AP. Yeah, uh, I really like cheap that. Cheap. <laughs> I think um, so, without without knowing what all the units do, I would imagine this is really good for the light cavalry that kind of going around the flanks and shooting into the side of units. Yeah, I think it's quite interesting, interesting because normally you don't... Uh, I mean, normally when you shoot stuff, you don't really give a shit about where it's facing, right? Yeah. So this adds, like, an extra element to, of play to the yeah, game. Yeah, I, I really like this rule. Yeah, like, to be honest... I think there's a lot of units that can take advantage of it. Yeah, first I actually thought that this would be something for, for close combat as well, uh, that they would, like, you know, get some kind of bonus when they're fighting people in the, in the rear or in the flank, but... Uh, but yeah, I think it's quite nice that it's actually for shooting. Yeah. I like it. Alex, do you want to take the next one if you have it up? Sure. The next one is a close combat weapon called Shamsher, which is a two-handed weapon. The wielder gains plus two strength against large and beast, large and cavalry, and gigantic, and plus one AP. Um, so two-handed weapon that gives you plus two strength, that's not as good as a great weapon, I guess, but well, I guess you, don't get the it's, you don't get the punishment of, um... Yeah, it's not striking last, right? Yeah. Plus one so AP plus two strength. Good. But wait, uh, great weapon gives you plus three strength? Plus two and plus two AP. A great weapon gives you plus two and plus two. Yeah. Yeah, so this is better than a great weapon, basically. No, it's uh, only against large stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's it's different. 
Yeah, it gives you plus two strength, but only plus one AP. But it uh, like the strength only really applies against specific things. But then you don't take the penalty for grip. So yeah, so it swings and roundabouts. I think. Yeah, I think I think. So the plus one AP, but the plus one AP you get all the time. Yeah. So it's a two-handed weapon with plus one AP. Yeah. With a special rule that says plus two strength against large and beast, large and cavalry, and gigantic. Yeah, so it's a, it's good against big stuff, but yeah. So, yeah. so a question here about the the wording, I guess, of what we were sent is when it says like large and beast, does that mean it has to be large and the beast at the same time? Yes. Yes. Okay. So it's like large beasts, large cavalry, and gigantic. So yeah. for example, like an, an ogre is large, but he's not a beast, so you wouldn't get it. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And like my warrior knights are cavalry, but they're not large, so you yeah. wouldn't get it there. But you would get it against the chosen knights. Yeah, exactly. So, so from what they told us, uh, this was supposed to be to represent these kind of uh, hunting weapons that the hobgoblins use on the step to to like hunt beasts. Uh, yeah, and that's okay. why like specific uh, kind of uh, bonus. Yeah, the, this is the this is as we will get to. Um, they're supposed to be there like hunting units, uh, like big scimitars. That uh, the idea is to cut through the veins and weak points of a giant animal. That's what the the design notes say. Yeah, so it's uh, it's quite cool. I guess it's uh, it will depend a lot on what like what uh, what unit will actually use this. I guess. Yeah, and we'll we'll yeah, get I mean, to that. I think it's so it's it's all about but it's, but it's basically all about matchups then, right? Yeah, I guess the thing is, like, I can't wait to take a, to get you guys to explain the unit that does use it, whether or not it's actually got like designed to go against large stuff. Yeah, uh, we'll, we'll see, I guess. So, um, uh, the first unit that we have been uh, that we're going to sneak peek is called the Mahouts. Um, it's four hundred points. There's three models base, and you can add an additional two models for 110 points. Obviously, the points values are pro like most likely going to change and should yeah. not be taken to to face value. But it's just an idea of, of where this unit has been pointed to start with. Um, zero to three per army. It's large cavalry on a 50 by 100, so it's like a chariot size base or a monster size base. Yeah, it's a huge base. Yeah. Um, advance 8, March 14, Discipline 7, causes fear, it's also scoring, um, 3 hit points per base, defensive skill 4, res 5, armor 2, and heavy armor, so 3 plus armor save. Um, there's 3 Hobgoblin Mahouts on top, um, they have 1 attack each, offensive skill 4, strength 3 with a halberd, and agility 3. Um, the mount is called a Tusker, so similar to the Ogre Khan's um, Tusker. Exactly the same stats, so four, it says four hit points. Oh no, sorry, four yes. attacks. Offensive score three, strength five, AP two, and agility two. It's harnessed and does D, uh, D3 impact hits. So this is, this is basically the same as the Ogre Kingdom's Tuskers, I think. Yeah. But with like free free dudes on top instead. Yeah. Like this 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 was I think this is a great like addition because it, like adding something like making this army 
feel probably like unique and have some kind of character to it like you couldn't just have goblins on wolves and better goblins on wolves because that would just be maca right but but with these models i, I think they're really adding something quite cool and also great uh, like modeling opportunity to have you know you take the tuskers and you just add like three silly goblins on top of it which i think is just gonna work really well yeah they, but they all get halberds which, which is, is what was it again? Plus one strength, plus one HP. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. So strength like one. Yeah, so like each of these bases will put out three strength four attacks and four strength five attacks. So this so, uh, so is like, kind of, but they come with three models required. So it's nine strength four attacks, twelve strength yeah. five attacks. So it's exactly the yeah. same as the ogre cavalry unit. Yeah. So it's, it's essentially it's like kind of getting a tusker in your like goblin army, which I think is pretty big because if you like if you're playing orcs and goblins, for example, like there's no you know there's nothing that really like plays that role in the army, and I mean it's a really good unit. So yeah, okay, dogs. I mean, yeah, I, think, I think I think this the the culture itself is kind of based on let's say the Sassanids. So so this kind of makes sense that. The goblins would train or tame these like large beasts and make little howder on top of them and r ride them into battle. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fun. It's it's, it's sim similar to like an elephant or something like that. Since they're on like fifty or by a hundred mil bases, having like one hobgoblin on top of this giant creature, I think, would be dumb. Yeah, you know, like I would much something that big like you you'd almost expect that they need three of them to drive it <laughs> you know you know because they're just little fucking they're little, just, just little fucking dorks you know what i mean like yeah you just have one guy like pushing the spurs and the other guy steering it's great it's like come on man this one dude on top just would be just devastated um and they and they got three hit points which is basically like there's three hobgoblins, three hit points. I guess that's fine. Yeah, I mean it's the same as the Tusker, but like you have to remember it's rest five as well. So this this unit is is pretty tanky, even yeah, like it's it's and it's got heavy armor. Yeah, so yeah. it's like a three point they have rest five, three hit points each. That that's uh, for most of the very. I think yeah, so armor, something armor something that we should armor. something that we should note with the hobgoblins uh, from the background, they're they're generally quite good. Um, good at making armor and maybe they get this from the infernal dwarves which obviously they're they're very close with as we mentioned and uh, okay. they get they get a lot of gear from the from trading with the infernal dwarves so compared to goblins they they probably have better access to heavy armor and better weapons and things like that so yeah, that, that's quite so you can make like a, like quite interesting you know modeling differences compared to if you play also goblins. If you make this army right, like you you get to make like really heavily armored goblins. Yeah, and I think we'll see that as we go through a couple of the other units that we're previewing. Cool. So uh, so next up we have the Eternals. So this really uh, seems pretty Persian to me. Uh, you know, like Eternals, Immortals. It's very similar to the. Uh, to the Infernal Dwarf uh, kind of naming. Yeah. Uh, so these guys uh, are a cavalry units uh, that are standard height, and they start at eight moles for 245 points. You can add up to seven extra ones for 28 points a mole. And they move uh, seven uh, and march 14 at the split eight, and they're scoring. Uh, they have one eight points. 
pretty good for goblins. Discipline eight. Yeah. But I mean, they are the Eternals. They're Eternals, bro. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you know if, if they, they were just total chicken shits, shits then what would be, be the point? point. Yeah, <laughs> you might as well, might as well call them the chicken shits then. It's <laughs> like normal goblins. So they have one hit point and uh, defense is four, rest three, so they're not very tough. They have two armor, but they come with infernal armor, so that means that they go to a two plus base. Uh, they have one attack each, the Eternals, with offensive five, strength three, AP zero, guilty four. And these guys have a Shashmir, or however you pronounce that. Shamshir. Shamshir, okay. Let's go with that. And they ride, uh, I love the name of this, they drive a, a beast called a bear dog, which has uh, two attacks, uh, offensive three, strength four, AP one, guilty two, and it has uh, impacted one against standard. So, I mean, this is 245 points for eight models minimum, and you can get seven more. I think this so, is like, really what cheap. Do you, so, it, it just seems pretty cheap. Yeah. Like, the fact that it has two plus save, I, like, for Cav, I think a rule of thumb is, if you can, if your Cav goes to two plus or better, it's, it can probably be worth it. It has less than two plus, it's going to be a struggle if you're, like, not a monstrous thing. But offensive so, I mean, five? Can, goblins? Yeah. I mean, you can, so you can run them, you can run them five wide by three deep. Yeah. And just, like, it looks like you can just... They're meant for like just like rushing in somewhere and just grinding. Yeah, and look, what's really interesting, I think, is that this the the Shamshir has like a, it makes them good against big things, right? So against big things, the goblins go up to strength five, uh, but they always like that's really nice. But then also the bear dogs, when you fight small shits, it gets impacted. So uh. like, so it is like interesting the fact that it, it gets like benefits. To, different things yeah, yeah. I, I i really like this unit i think it's pretty strong and quite good value um as we talked about it's kind of supposed to be a little bit of a knockoff to the immortals right yeah um, it seems, seems seems pretty inexpensive yeah yeah but it's 245 gets you eight miles I mean, like, it's, it's quite different still right Cause i don't think we should really worry about the points but more about the design as Casimir yeah. says, it's good against like a lot of different things, which I think also fits its background as like the kind of the hobgoblin noble retinue, which is like the elite guard. That I mean, in 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 general, in the medieval period, like all the elites were spending a lot of time hunting, so this makes sense with the the Shamshir, and and also um, also kind of being good against infantry as well, kind of with the the bear dogs. I'm not sure about the name, but I think this is good, is it good for like, like the half bear, half dog, or half dog, half bear. Oh, that's good. Or is it half mad bear pig? You know? Well, because so like which, which having head, a dog which face on a bear body might actually be pretty scary, whereas having a bear face on a dog body is like less scary. Yeah, it's more cute. Well, it's just also so much smaller. Yeah. If you had like a massive long. Bear or, or dog, like maw or muzzle, it'd be so much, so much more intimidating if the, if a dog's head was like bear sized. Yeah, that's true. I, I think it would be more scary if it was like a, a dog body with like a bear head. That's like it, a very it would be so much head. smaller. 
Like bears are massive. So like, yeah, but I, I wonder, maybe it's like, you know, maybe the, the you know, the, it's dog sized, but the face is just fucking massive, you know? That's why it gets an impact hit, because it's just like kind of mauling everything when it's charged. Gets one impact hit against standard. Maybe that's why, because it is dog sized. Yeah. If it was if it was bear sized, maybe it would just be straight up. It's just got like a no bear head what. battering ram. <laughs> yeah. So I think it, like it's kind of as you say, it's it's relating to the immortals, uh, right? But I really like the difference that this is a cab unit to represent that these guys are like nomads and uh, step warriors, you know. So so obviously they wouldn't have their you know elite retinue on foot because like why the fuck would you do that? It's like a, it takes a while to get across the plains, you know. Uh, also, also, we should maybe point, point out that, that like, like, and I know we're not talking about points, but I think it is interesting that all of the command series got to, is 20, 20, 20. Yeah, it's just because it's like an old version and hasn't been updated yet. Yeah. Oh, so it'll go to the cheap, new cheap yeah, beta yeah, as well. Yeah. Okay. But yeah, as, as I said, don't really worry so much about the price here. I think the, the Infernal Armor is like an interesting talking point because as we talked yeah. about before it's like showing that these guys are like the the elite of the hobgoblins and they're get they're like trading for the good the good stuff from the infernal dwarves i mean they must be really favored like i like i, I was quite surprised when i saw infernal armor because I, I assumed that that was something that the dwarves only wore themselves so like that you know i mean i guess if you have enough money you can buy it right yeah, yeah, I guess I guess, I guess infernal dwarves don't really have any moral code that goes above money in a way, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like if, you, if you can pay me enough, I'm like, sure, bro. Like whatever you. Want. <laughs> yeah, so the, these guys are obviously like the very elite of the elite of hobgoblin society. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the third unit of. I like this name. I like this name. Palavans. Palavans. Oh, that's nice. Do you want to go for it? Yeah, sure. Um, so they're 280 points for 10 models, and they can get an additional 10 models for up to additional 10 models for 22 points per model. There's You can have 0 to 3 of these units per army. Standard height, cavalry, 25 by 50 bases, scoring. So 10... So starting with 10 in a cavalry block and then up to 10 more. That's a lot of cavalries. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's, if you're going five wide, you're talking about 200 mils deep. Yeah, it's going to take up a lot of board space. Hello. Um, so yeah, uh, advanced 7, mark 14, discipline 8. Um, hit points 1, defense 4. Res 3, armor 2, and then they have heavy armor and a shield. So that's like a lot of armor. Again, like very good stats for goblins. Discipline 8 and offensive 4. I think maybe a little bit too good compared to background, but... Yeah, so on the, the rider, the pavlan is 1 attack, offense 4, strength 3. 0 AP, agility 3. And the bear dog, or dog bear, depending on which... Which part of the animal you think is more important? Uh, is it gets two attacks, offense three, uh, strength four, AP one, agility two, which I guess is they're the same as the one the guys above the Eternals. So they're they get the same mount as the Eternals, which still is 
harnessed impact hits one against standard size, but they also get cheap shot because they have a plus four or four plus bow. They ride with a lance. Uh, paired. So is this all of it? They get cheap shot, lance, bow, four plus, paired weapons, and weapon master. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Weapon master lets them pick there. So they have uh, they have sword and board, lance, or paired weapons are their choices. Is that right? Yeah. No, no, they, they get them all, but they can choose which one to use in each round of combat. So, That's what I mean. So you, when you charge, get... you get the lance, and then in the second round, you get the paired weapons. Or, or the shield and the uh, weapon. Or shield and hand weapon, yeah. 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 This is. Okay. A, I think this unit is is really good. Like the having the the fact that they can they shoot and they fight as well. I think that. And you can have twenty of them, riding up your flank, turning, shooting with plus one AP into your fucking. Guts. Yeah, I think I think I should read out the um, the design notes on this because I think it really expresses the unit quite well. So um, he's saying it's a Swiss Army knife heavy cavalry unit. The goal with this unit was to create a heavy cavalry unit that could adapt to different situations, but was never going to be as good in a specific role as some of the other more specialized cavalry units. Um, the bows are to give the Palavans something to do in Mexican standoffs with other heavy cavalry or swift stride units. We didn't want to power creep this unit with higher combat power or higher charge range. So instead the idea was to make it so the Palavans are always doing something in every phase. Um, the impact hits and also the ones on the Eternals are to represent the, re the real life Persian cavalry weight. Usually they would use the barding on their horse to barge through and shove infantry around. So this is representing the same thing. It also makes Palavans better at chewing through cheap infantry. The choice of 10 was again to prevent darts, but also show that the Hobgoblins can field a lot of heavy cavalry if they do wish to. Yeah, I think I think this, this design of this unit is really cool. Like it's, uh, these are my favorite types of units, and I think for me one of the reasons why I really like the Infernal Dwarf uh, book, uh, for you know, like a lot of the very basic units, is the fact that you have a unit that does you know, more than one thing. It's like, it's not just a heavy cavalry unit's gonna stand off and wait for that turn to charge. It's still shooting as well. So it kind of fulfills more than one role. So you never feel like you're, you know, like wasting your points because you're always doing something. You always get to roll some dice, which is just like, it's more fun. And uh, it's quite cool in this case as well. What, I, what I'm curious about is, is which of these will end up being in their core? I think both of these are going to be special. I would expect. Yeah, maybe. maybe. I, I, I could, could I could see the Palavans be actually in, in core, but maybe I'm wrong. Like, maybe it is too good to be in core. If you look at the icons on the, on the units, then the two swords usually represent special. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I, okay. I believe. Yeah, I, I wonder what, like, I wonder, I guess they didn't uh, preview any core for us, because of course the vassals, the uh, vassal levies would be in core, and I guess maybe the uh, the vassal, uh, whatever it is it's called now, like vassal cavalry or something like yeah, that. Yeah, I would, I would imagine they would just like copy and paste those as they did with other units and other supplement books. Yeah. Okay, so let's move on to the last unit that we're getting to discuss. So this is the Kamandaran. Yeah, another good name. 
I like the naming. Of the, I'm like the naming here. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming stuff. that there's kind of Sassanid Persian names, but I, I don't know. My my linguistics is not the best in this area. So uh, 20 models for 235 points. Um, additional 10 models for 13 points per model. It's a standard infantry on 20 mil bases. Um, it looks to be a standard goblin in stats, aside from the discipline, which is again eight. So good. very brave goblins these days. Um, <laughs> hobgoblins, bro. Hobgob- hobgoblins. Sorry. I mean, we we know that physiologically they're exactly the same as goblins, so I don't know why there's a tried discipline, but yeah, but discipline is not a physiological thing, is it? It's a cultural. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll give you that. So in in the same way as the elite um, cavalry guys, these also have infernal armor and also have a shield. So they're three plus armor save with hand weapons. Um, advance four, march eight, hit points one, defensive three, res three, attacks one, offensive three, strength three, agility three, zero. And they have cheap shot, and they must choose a ranged weapon, be that a bow, a flintlock axe, or a blunderbuss. And aside from that, they can take full command and a banner enchantment. So this is like an infantry shooting unit with a 3 plus save, but can't do all that much in combat. I think the flintlock axe is probably the standout choice here, because you get the strength for You can get a flintlock axe with cheap shots? That's Yeah. (laughs) That's really good. (laughs) Is Is that AP3? Yeah, <laughs> I think I think they need to, or a blunderbuss is probably also pretty good. Oh yeah, man, that's uh, yeah, blunderbuss is fucking brutal. Like you wanna put one, like I guess the problem is that it's gonna, you wanna put it on the flank, because uh, you wanna shoot stuff in the flank, right? But then it's like an infantry unit that's like far outside your bubble or or at the edge. Sla- of your slap bubble. a banner relentless company on, and it's all good. Yeah, but you can't shoot after you use it, right? Because they don't have marching shoots. Yeah, but you just do you just use the first turn, and then you're yeah. in the right position. Oh man, this this unit actually—I didn't realize uh, how how good it was until we read it again now. Like, I mean, that seems really cool to me. I, I think it's a really like really cool unit, right? Yeah, especially like I just imagine it's like stupid small little goblins just like piled up in plate armor with the little guns and yeah. just like out on the flank to, me, to me this feels like a, a Yanissary unit or something like that from yeah. like the Ottomans and that's for me that's quite cool yeah definitely so oh, again let me read the design notes on this one so Commandoran um, elite archers the, the main goal of this unit was to be the premier foot range unit in the Hobgoblin army and the the symbol on the top left corner is they're going to be in some kind of restricted shooting category. Um, he doesn't know yet how this is going to be done, but there's going to be some kind of shooting cap. Um, high armor save was to give them something to rather than just damage. And uh, they were worried about creating like a Queen's Guard-esque unit. Instead, uh, the commander ran almost an anti-archer archers, shrugging, shrugging off return fo- Excuse me, shrugging off return fire while laying down their own. Um, they're not supposed to be trained for close quarters combat, hence their average combat stats, but they are masters at ranged combat. Although with a 3 plus save and parry, they can hold the line while waiting for the heavy cavalry to back them up. And I think this, they do exactly what they say on the tin. Yeah. Uh, I really the, like this unit. 
I think I think though that with uh, like uh, the fact that they have access to like they're really good shooting weapons is the flintlock axe or the blunderbuss, and both of those are like short ranged things. So I, I think it won't create like a queen's guard type of situation because this unit like even. You know, like if you equip it up, you still want to like push it quite close to people to do a lot of damage. So I think it's more about like having that one, maybe two turns of like devastating shooting, and then it's gonna have to like you know actually fight. Yeah, I mean it's gonna have to stand there until the cavalry come in, right? Yeah. But discipline eight, parry, lots of bodies should be okay, right? Exactly. Especially, I, I assume you might be able to put like some dude in there, help him out a little bit, or something. You know. Some yeah, character. yeah, you'd hope so, right? But I mean, then it's not going to boost the discipline, but it could help them out in some other way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I also like this unit. Yeah, I think I think the ones that they previewed to me, like the standards, is, is this unit and then the uh, uh, what would it be called uh, the Mahouts. That would be my two uh, my my two favorites that I've seen. Yeah, I, I think this is probably my favorite one of all of them. I also yeah. like the Eternals as well. Yeah. Yeah. So... I roll OP. <laughs> <laughs> surprise, surprise. I think they're all very not cute. impressed. <laughs> These commander runs are like 235 points. It's fucking dirt cheap. Yeah, that's. I mean, I, we're I not looking at points right now, Henry. I, I guess, I guess you upgrade them for sixty points, so that it's like a three hundred plus point unit at the end. But still, yeah, for twenty 300, models. Three hundred points for twenty shots. Yeah, I mean, it's pretty good. It's pretty, especially like where you, you could make it thirty shots. Yeah, and then, and then you start looking at like you know what will the category cap be for their shooting? So like, okay, how many can I get in? <laughs> You're already trying to game the system, Casimir. He's such, yeah. such a power gamer. I just like since I started playing Dwarfs, I realized that I just like really like shooting stuff. Like shooting is the most fun. <laughs> zero zero threat attacking. Yeah, exactly. It's like I get to do shit to my opponent, but he doesn't get to do anything back. Like, ooh, that sounds nice. Just stand there and take it. Yeah, super fun. It's going to be super fun to play against your mega block, mega shooty <laughs> fucking team. So, so Kessler, my question warriors. is, are you going to be getting some goblins to fill out your dwarf units? Yeah, I mean, like, I've, I was actually just thinking, like, what kind of heavily armored uh, goblin moles are there out there? Like, uh, you, I know... You can probably find some, right? Or you yeah, can just like convert some, no worries. Yeah, definitely. Like, you get some, some small, like, heavily armored things and put goblin hands on them or something. I'm pretty like sure that. Mantic makes them. Yeah. I know there's, like, a few, there's a couple of heroes from Games Workshop uh, which have, like, really big armor, like, a lot of armor on them, which is nice, but, like, you'd like something that makes a whole unit, right? Yeah. I, yeah, I, I, there must be some, like, armored goblins and maybe... Um... I, what was that Kickstarter that I backed recently with the the orcs and the ogres? Oh, I don't remember what it was called. It's a French company, but they they make a lot of really nice uh, orc and goblin models. Okay, the, I think the Mantic makes some some pretty like decent uh, bear dog molds. So they have these like goblins riding. Uh, yeah, they're uh, called. I'm just gonna like, I'm just uh, gonna pull them up now. Uh, they're yeah, called like, goblin fleabag regiments. And they, they're perfect for these bear dog things. Yeah, um, so. It's 30 quid and you get 10 plastic models. Yeah, it's fucking dirt cheap. And they're actually really, really nice quality. Yeah. 
So that'd be, that might be a good shout. I just like, every time I read anything like this, I just get too excited. That's the problem. Just want to spend money, right? Yeah, exactly. Just like, which is not, not the plan now when like I'm a professional life age player. <laughs> I mean, if the, if the goblin flea bags are the model, then those are totally dogs with bare heads for sure. <laughs> so, so Casimir, there's a, a unit on Mantic called the Goblin Luggets Troop. And it's 26, 25 pounds. And they're like armored okay. goblins with great weapons. Ooh. Oh, I don't think I've seen these guys. They're quite nice, actually. They look really good for hobgoblins with armor on. So it wouldn't yeah. be a big stretch to, to convert them to have flintlock axes. Yeah, it's true. Just like, uh, I mean, they already have their, their hands together, right? You just like yeah. put a uh, exactly. gun in there. Yeah. Uh, maybe, maybe. Like, let's see when this uh, when this book gets released. <laughs> Can take it to you, like to you, the torments that you run, because you let uh, let us have all the random supplement books. <laughs> yeah, for sure. There's actually some really nice models in these this goblin range. What's this one? Yeah, goblin slasher. It's like a little like uh, war machine. Oh, this would be perfect for the uh, Mahout model, Kings of War goblin slasher. 30 quid it's like uh, some it looks like a a little dinosaur thing with a howder on top with a bolt thrower but you could take the bolt thrower off and just just have the goblins instead i mean or they could just add on the bolt thrower to the rules you know yeah whatever works whatever oh yeah works. That'd be really cool yeah, yeah. That, that, that dinosaur thing is really nice some pretty nice uh, models in this kings of war range actually yeah, like a, I mean, Mantic is, in my opinion, a lot of times like a hit or, hit or miss kind of company. Yeah, but if goblins are nice, and the giants are always really good for Mantic. Yeah, giants are great. Goblin war trombone. <laughs> okay. <laughs> anyway, so um, I think that's it for today. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Hopefully, we've given you a nice sneak preview of the Hobgoblin book. Um, there's lots of nice interesting models out there and these new units uh, are, I think we find them quite interesting and I think we'll probably see them on the battlefield maybe Casimir's going to buy some goblins and get out his green paint yeah uh, but do you guys have any final thoughts on the hobgoblins uh, I can't wait to see the rest of the supplement to be honest I, I would like to see how the how it's going to balance out and like really how big of an army you can build with all these riders. Like, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see like how will the infernal dwarves feature in this army, if at all, or will it really be like really only hobgoblins? Like you can't take any infernal dwarves. I think maybe you'll get like, a, war, a war machine or two or something. Yeah. Maybe you can take like infernal engines or something like that. But I think it would be mo mostly hobgoblins. Yeah, I, I, not not the engines. I meant the uh, infernal battery. I guess Art that's artillery, the right? Yeah, artillery. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So if that's it, then I think we'll just finish there. So thank you for listening once again. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can find us on SoundCloud, on Twitter, on the Night Edge forum. I am at Henry P Miller. Yeah, you can find me at. Uh, uh, at the Shunia or at Amortime DQK on Twitter as well. And I'm Sassiel on the uh, Night Age uh, forum.
Yeah, all mail to Amatang DK, and we will see you on the next one. Sing us a song tonight. Well, we're all in the mood for a melody, and you got us feeling all right. John at the bar is a friend of mine He gets me my drinks for free And he's quick with a joke Or to light up your smoke But there's some place that he'd rather be He says, Bill, I believe this is killing me As a smile ran away from his face Well, I'm sure that I could be a movie star if I could get out of this place Oh, la, 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 da, da, da La, la, da, 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 da Now Paul is a real estate novelist Who never had time for a wife And he's talking with David Who's still in the Navy and probably will be for life And the waitress is practicing politics As a businessman slowly gets stoned Yes, they're sharing a drink they call loneliness But it's better Forget about life for a while And the piano, it sounds like a carnival And the microphone smells like a beer And they sit at the bar and put bread in my jar And say, man, what are you doing here? Song tonight.